I'm coming for all of you. Right now, there's a 15-year-old sophomore in high school who has no idea they're studying nursing just so they can wipe my ass in 17 years. I'm 50 and single. That's a fantastic combination. I'm going to spend my golden years dating a handful of spit and a jug of Astroglide. Hey, what's happening? Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast. Let me ask you something, folks. Do you, do you hear a big humming noise? Do you hear anything like that emanating from this microphone or from behind my head, possibly, as if there was some sow? Uh, some sow? Uh, if some sow is here, if you don't, he's a ninja who makes a humming noise. He totally hides in my house. It's frightening. He'll dive in through a window, do a barrel roll, then just, mm, and then he'll kick me three times in the head with an axe kick and then bail. Uh, because apparently <laughs> the ninja's doing axe kicks. Now that's not sneaky. Ninjas are doing things that are sneaky. An axe kick is clearly not sneaky. Uh, who was the master of the, uh, the, the axe kick? Andy, Andy, fuck, Andy Moog? No, no, he was a goalie for the Edmonton Oilers. Fuck, Google Andy Hugh. There you go. Andy Hugh is the master of the axe kick. He died. You know, there's a lot of badasses out there, and they die early. And I, I mean, it's because they're doing badass things, certainly. There's guys who've been in a jungle somewhere in fucking Norway. Let's, all right, hold on. Let's unpack that for a second. There's not a jungle anywhere near Norway, is there? I don't think, I don't even think there's a copy of Jungle Boogie available via Spotify in Norway because nobody there knows what a fucking jungle is. They have, does Norway have the internet? They may. I don't know. I get, you know, I get Snapchats from Sweden from our friend Steven, and I get them from Finland and other places like that. But, uh, oh, and I'll tell you this, uh, E3 is in town, folks. You know what that is, E3? It is a, it's an electronics convention. Uh, E3 stands for E. <laughs> That's how you pronounce three E's in a row. Uh, and so I've been shuttling fucking human beings back and forth between downtown and God knows where. And and all these guys are from out of town. A lot of Swedes in the video game industry. A lot of a lot of Romanians. A lot of Finnish. Um, in his finishes, right? You're, 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 well, Finlandians, Finlandians, Portlandias. A lot of people from Portlandia are here, as a matter of fact. It's it's actually Fred Armisen dressing up. I pick him up all day long. He dresses up in six different costumes. He's never funny anytime I pick him up, and there you go. Uh, I'm being mean to Fred Armisen for no reason. I've never met the man. I'm sure he's wonderful to humans, or at least to men. Uh, he's a terrible guy to ladies. You know that, right? He's a creepy me too guy. Let's do that. Let's tear that apart right now. You guys who love Portlandia, hey, quit, you know, stop coming from my Tarantino, all right? I gotta keep reading this. There's like all these controversies where they're like, oh, well, he he spit in Diane Kruger's face. And she's like, well, that's okay. And then, or no, he spit in Uma Thurman's face. And then he strangled Diane Kruger. Look, all of these sound bad on their face, certainly. Uh, and I'm not telling you, you gotta like the guy, but I like his movies. He's still my guy for movies. I'm not saying I wanna hang out with the fucking guy. Uh, although, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'll, I would hang out on a park bench with him and stare at feet. I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I'd shoot the breeze. But my, my, you know, I met him once and he was really nice to me. He got to tell me I was funny and I was so happy about that. So going forward, I don't need to ever do anything else again with him. He could be a bad guy. He could be a fucking terrible guy. Look, anybody who gets a fucking billion dollars is a terrible guy. If I had a billion dollars, fucking forget it. Are you kidding me? All I would do is do terrible things. I would fire, like, I, I would hire fucking homeless guys to, to hunt giraffes. We would gather them up and put them on a bus. I would have, like, I would have children fights. I would be, like, the worst Russian oligarch you've ever heard of in your life. Just because life is a dull fucking slog. So if you got billions of dollars, go ahead and pay a bunch of people to fucking have some kind of weird-ass homeless Olympics in your yard. Uh, under the guise of uh, doing a favor for them. And that's rude. And I know it's problematic to think to yourselves, well, you know, Mike wouldn't really put homeless people and pit them off in a fight to the death, would he? Well, no. I don't want anybody to die. 
That was weird. I yawned in the middle of die and I tried to stop it and it forced out a die. You know, I pronounced that as if it was die E3. Perhaps there were three E's at the end of die in that sentence. Uh, I feel like I'm in dangerous territory here as I'm advocating the homeless and children fighting one another. Uh, let me ask you this. You've got two, you've got two homeless guys against 55 year old toddlers who wins because the homeless guys are totally fucking, they're, they're, they're destroyed. They haven't eaten protein in months. They're just, uh, they're begging on the side of the freeway. They're out in the sun all goddamn day. I got to think they'd just be overwhelmed by a wave of toddlers. By to- toddlers, I say that's 55-year-olds. Uh, would the five-year-olds know to defend themselves? Oh, that's a question. Because you always hear that about duck-sized horses and horse-sized ducks. Well, those aren't aggressive animals. Let me ask you this. Would you rather fight 10 duck-sized alligators or 55 alligator- alligator-sized ducks? How about that? Uh, but the ducks are, because ducks are kind of aggressive. We've, we've seen me be chased by a duck before. Or is it geese? Geese are uh, more aggressive than ducks. Let's have a geese versus a duck off. See, this is what I got to be rich for. I got to be a billionaire. I got to win the Powerball so I can have ducks fight geese and homeless fight toddlers. That's all I want to do. I just want to build a fucking octagon in my yard. You know, fuck Neverland. Like like when Michael Jackson had Neverland and he had cool ass giraffes and he had a molestation room and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and spare underpants. Isn't that a fucking clue for you when your parents and you're dropping your kid off at Neverland and they come home in different underwear? Isn't that something that makes you go to have some fucking alarm bells? Uh, dentist from fucking wherever the fuck you were, Sherman Oaks or Studio City or whoever the fuck the dentist was who allowed his kid to go up there and get fucking reamed out by Michael Jackson and God knows how many other Jacksons while Tito held him down and he yelled. Uh, Tito held and the boy yelled <laughs> and Michael smelled. All right. Uh, and Robin laid an egg and the Batmobile lost a wheel and the Joker got away. All of that happened in one afternoon. And that's what led to the fucking lawsuit. And that's what led Michael Jackson to let a fucking doctor start injecting fucking powerful painkillers into his goddamn thigh. And then he winds up dead. And then all the Jacksons go to his house and they have a fucking powwow and they say, well, we can't fucking let this secret get out. Uh, man, that's, but see, that's the thing when you're rich, man, you can do that kind of shit. And that's what I want to be rich for. I just, so I can have kids fight the homeless and, and I can develop some kind of fucking weird grift where animals fight against other animals. I will build a weird ass yard like Neverland, but instead of a fucking, like I'll have a Ferris wheel, but It'll have fucking, uh, it won't have any seats. How about that? They get, people have to be in a pull-up position. Now that I think about this on the fly, I should have given more thought to this before I brought it up. But then again, when, when I ever done that, who, who actually sits down and plots out an evil Neverland? I want to meet that fucking guy. Hey man, I want to fill my yard with a bunch of very dangerous carnival rides and dangerous animals. See, that's it. I go reverse Neverland. Neverland, all the kids come over, they're all happy. They're eating cotton candy. And like I said, they're getting a finger in their ass and that's not good for anyone. But come over to my house. I guarantee this, you won't get molested. If you if you let your kids come over to my rich, my reverse fake me. Neverland. Nobody kids get molested. However, there is a chance they could get eaten by fucking 10 ocelots. I'll, I'll throw them into a pit with 10 ocelots. See if I armor, I armor kids up. I'll put them in like fucking weird night costumes. If I give kids like battle armor and they got to fight 10 ocelots, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the kind of shit you do in international waters. Maybe I buy international waters. <laughs> I buy them all. I find out, scope out like a fucking patch of international waters, and I just put a fucking barge out there, and I have kids versus ocelots and homeless against giraffes. Oh, and then, and then you know, I got to have a bracket, right? I got to go NCAA style. I can't just have like a card like the Octagon. I got to go tournament. You can't just have a regular bunch of fights and just have the winner get away unscathed. Fuck that. Only one survives. It's like it's fucking Thunderdome in international waters. <laughs> many men enter, only one don't giraffe or ocelot leaves. Uh, do you hear a humming, folks? There's a humming noise because there's a ninja behind me. I think I mentioned that earlier. Now, the deal is, uh, wait. All right, hold on, my desk is making noise. Um, such amateur night bullshit. I fucking hate doing that to you guys, and I do apologize because it's so funny. Like, I, I pretend, I'm like, well, I don't pretend. I'm going to do, do a show a long fucking time. But then I do it in my apartment, 
And because uh, at least when I had somebody else there, like, ah, fuck, you don't care. This is the shit that goes out of my head. I got to fucking chase it out right now. Get in there, ocelots. Bite out that part of my brain that considers myself a failure. Please do that. That's what I need to do. I need, oh, I need fucking earwig sized ocelots. Put them in my right ear and they make their way through and they chew out all the negativity and the fucking things that make me think I'm bad. And they emerge on the other side, fat, happy, and filled with my own remorse gland. Is that why that's my thymus gland, my medulla oblongata, my uh, hypo, uh, hypocalamus, a callus, hypocalamus, I don't know what the fuck else is in my brain, uh, other, other than the plot of Reverse Neverland where kids won't get molested, but they have to fight animals. God damn, that's a great idea. Uh, and I'm copywriting it right now. I don't know if you know this, like when you mail a script to yourself and it's copyrighted, if you say things on a podcast, you own it. I own it fucking forever. And if that was true, I would own Uber because I invented it in fucking year two or year one. It was year one. I was actually at Lily's house year one. I talked about how I hated the bus so much. I wanted to go around to bus stops, pick people up and give them rides to wherever they were going. Just charge them a couple of bucks. And it'd be like, so I guess I invented Uber pool, really. Um, But it doesn't matter. And now look at me chained to my car with a ball and chain. Uh, And please take away, take away that ball and chain. Uh, Because I'm sick and I'm tired and I, I can't take any more pain. I just can't. (laughs) Uh, here's another thing I want to try to do so well first of all do you hear the humming I don't hear it right now Uh, my neighbor uh, Lou the racist bartender he he saw me outside he's like hey let me ask hey let me ask you something hey do you hear uh, do you hear uh, like a humming noise in the middle of the night and I'm like dude I sleep with that white noise fan on so I really I don't and he's just like oh man I'll tell you what you go, there's a humming noise. And I go, well, no, that, that's like a fucking weird crackling. I'm telling you, it's a lamp behind the house. Like a, cause behind, like next door to my apartment building, there's another apartment building and it's a stone's throw away. Uh, and by a stone's throw, it's only like five feet. So, I mean, I guess it's a rolling stone's throw away. <laughs> I mean, I could throw a rock a lot farther than that, but I could probably only pitch Charlie Watts just off the fucking side of that building. Um, it's a rolling stone's throw away. That makes me laugh. Uh, so I said to him, yeah, that's the buzzing from their lamp. because nah, it's not that. I've heard that before, but it's a different, it's like a hum. It's like a, like a wall of sound, like a wall of noise. Uh, he did, he actually said wall of sound. And I'm like, what is fucking Phil Spector outside? What the hell? Is he making noises? Is he tunneling out? Uh, if he is, I'll be his, I'll be his little baby, his little baby. That's Ronnie. Um, baby, my darling. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, sorry. All right. That's the Eddie Money song. Um, and by uh, dudes, all right, let's talk about this really fast. Well, no, let's talk about, we'll finish the wall of sound first. Uh, and I said, look, I don't hear it because I, I sleep with a white noise type of fan in my room. So I don't have to hear anything ever. And, uh, and he's like, well, I, you know what I think it is? Cause they, cause they put in a new hot water heater here on Saturday. I think that hot water heater makes noise and it bounces off the building in the back and then it comes through our windows. And, uh, and that's just, that's just fucking tinfoil hat nonsense at that point. Now, now I look, you, you've got to draw like a picture of a centrifuge where sound goes over the house, bounces off the other building and comes through. It looks like a flow chart. And I, I got no, I don't, I had no idea. Now I, I under, I had, look, I am entertaining his position. Certainly I'm not going to argue with the young, with, with the young man. Why am I calling him a young man? I'm not going to argue with the dude, but I mean, my hand was just like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't hear it, dude. I go, well, whatever. Um, so I went out that day, I drove all day, came home, and I went to bed, um, yes, I know, I'm going to bed too late, I gotta adjust my schedule, bed by two, up by ten, bed by two, up by ten, new mic, uh, new mic still lurking, uh, new mic's got three weeks to do some training for the Spartan fucking run, other than lifting, uh, I'll, I'll give you all that in just a second, alright, so, um, so I, so I come home, I, I, and I, you know, whatever, I fucking decompress, I watch TV, and I fucking crash, I turn on my white noise fan, and I lay in bed, and I'm not, of course, and, and you've already figured this out, you heard, you, you figured this out from the fucking jump when I started the goddamn story. Uh, I laid down in bed, 
I heard it immediately. I, I absolutely heard it immediately. It's just, it's a whirring noise. Like a, like it's, it almost sounds like a, uh, like a lathe or a, or a, dr- a drill press. Does a lathe make noise? I think it does, right? I don't know. Electronic lathe. Is there a lathe? No, there's a lathe. That's a scraper, right? I, fuck, I'm not a man. What am I talking about? I got a cock, but I'm not a man for fuck's sake. I have no idea what a fucking lathe is. I don't know the noise it would make. Uh, unless you hit a guy with it, I'll tell you that. If you fucking hit a guy with a lathe, I know that it would make an oof noise. Oof! That's that's me getting hit by a lathe. I bet that wasn't what you tuned in for. Nobody thought to themselves, God damn, I can't wait to hear a podcast this week where a guy imitates himself getting hit with a lathe. Uh, oof! That's me being hit with a lathe. I, um, just, just in case you didn't hear it the second time, or the first time, uh, now you've heard it the second time, and now I want to do it again, and now I want to do it the whole fucking show long. Um... All right, there was something I was gonna do. I was gonna veer off into, and now I fucking forgot because of the goddamn thing where I was settling the goddamn noise thing, and I forgot. God, I'm so mad at myself. Jesus Christ! See, this is gonna be good to have a producer. Uh, so uh, yeah, so I hear that noise now all the time. Uh, at night, I don't hear it during the day because again, I'm living my life, folks. I'm a very busy man. You know me. I get my briefcase out. I got my fucking cigar in. I got my visor on. I'm placing my bets at the track. Uh, I go to and fro. I place I place a lot of bets at Hialeah. I bet a lot of uh, uh, the uh, harness racing bets. Uh, at Pimlico, I get my, I call into my bookie, my guy, I get the racing forms, I get the sheets, the dirt sheets out and I go ahead and I, I make all my bets. What if I was a junkie gambler? What if I was that dude? What if I was a guy who gambled on everything you guys had no fucking clue? What if you didn't know anything about me other than the fact that I was a podcaster and then it turned out that I was like some sort of secret agent gambling genius playing Baccarat on the fucking weekends? Uh, I'm not playing Baccarat. I'm not even eating fucking Baccarat. Baccarat sounds like a fucking pasta as far as I'm concerned. I know it's a shitty card game that James Bond plays. That's a weird-ass rich guy's game where it's just like sitting there and it's like, it's like Mahjong. What the fuck is Mahjong? It's just tiles and fucking bullshit. Uh, yeah, that's right. I just dismissed a centuries-old game with fucking four words, tiles, and fucking bullshit. Uh, take your Mahjong walking. Uh, you know, uh, you take your Mahjong and your Baccarat and you take a walk. And you know what I take? I take fucking spinning that wheel and trying to guess it's going to be a dollar or five dollars. That's that's my kind of game. That's the kind of strategy I'm looking for in the fucking casino. I want to walk up and plunk my hard-earned money down on the table and have some fucking junkie spin a wheel and hopefully the right fucking thing lands on it. Some fucking reject from Iowa who came out to Vegas thinking he was going to make the big time and instead he's wearing a fucking too tight tie and spinning a goddamn spinning wheel and trying to give me some money. Uh, and I never win. Whoever wins on that goddamn thing. You, you ever see a guy who's like really considering the strategy? He's like, well, I got to cover the five here and I got to cover the one. Oh, this is not roulette, dude. It's not. Roulette's a totally different animal, too. You got a billion numbers and you're fucking hedging and there's corners and bullshit. But on that fucking spinning wheel game, you're just you're just tearing money up and throwing it right out the fucking window. Uh, I haven't been to Vegas in forever. Do they still even have that game? They might not. It might be gone. Although I I, I was watching, there's a, someone I follow on Instagram, and he was in uh, Vegas, and he was filming the inside of a casino, and he filmed like they had the fucking, dude, they had a fucking a, a National Lampoon's vacation slot machine. They had a Simpson slot machine. They had a they had a Friends slot machine. They finally realized exactly how to fucking nail degenerate people directly in the brain pan. They played to their laziness. Not only do they get them for their degenerate gambling tendencies, but they also start showing them clips from their favorite shows to keep them glued from the fucking chair so they can go, ah, <laughs> remember when remember when Chandler lived in the box or Joey or whatever the fuck one lived in a cardboard box and they're just pumping money into the fucking machine. All you're doing is paying to watch clips of Friends. That's it. You're losing money watching fucking clips of Friends. You're losing money watching highlights from vacation. Now look, 
I love vacation as much as the next guy. I'm happy to see Bill Murray go into the pool and pull up the baby Ruth. I absolutely would. You know what? I, I might actually dump some money in to see everything that Rodney Dangerfield ever did on a fucking on the slot machine. If it plays live for me, I might be willing to pay some money for it because fucking Dangerfield is so unbelievable in that goddamn movie. Just fucking like a bomb goes off. It's so great. Um... But they've tricked these people. That's all they've done. They've tricked human beings. They've they've played because they've got the degenerates in the seats and then they played their laziness by showing them things they love. Here's Friends. Remember Friends? Pay for it. And then people just pay. They're just putting money in to see. Oh, remember that monkey? Ross had a monkey that was hilarious. <laughs> remember when Joey wound up fucking Rachel and betrayed the previous 10 years of the show and nobody thought that anybody was going to do anything with Rachel besides fucking Ross and now one of his best friends is fucking tagging her? That's beautiful. And don't write me with your, well, they never did anything. I, I saw him kiss once. I know Joey kissed Rachel, and that's that's more than enough. You shouldn't be fucking doing that, man. If that's your guy, if that's your boy, if that's your friend, if that's your pal, if that is a guy you know has been carrying a torch that has never gone out. I mean, he went and married some English chick, and then, like, he accidentally called her Rachel. And then you're shoving your tongue down fucking Rachel's throat, like, two seasons later? What the fuck, Joey, you scumbag? And I know you're dumb, and I know you're an actor and all that kind of bullshit. Uh, but now, you know what? We sentence you to a lifetime of being played in a slot machine. Your dumbest moments, Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> all of your goofiest, most vapid moments as Joey will be replayed over over and over for people just as dumb and vapid, if not more. Actually, bullshit. You made millions for playing that part. You're a fucking genius. These people are paying for the privilege of seeing you when you're on free 10 times a fucking day on your cable system. But these people are sitting there going, oh, <laughs> fucking Joey, Central Perk, remember that Gunther guy? Money, 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 college fund. <laughs> your kid graduates high school and he's like, ha time for you to help me out with my later education. Well, see, son, we'd love to, except, uh... Naked guy across the street kept us in our seat and we wanted to pay $10,000 one day. What? What? That was my money. Uh, yeah, you know, it's great, but your mom and I really love Elliot Gould. And so we couldn't help putting your entire college fund in the friend's fucking slot machine. That's that, And that's the lowest of the low. You love Elliot Gould that much that you would go ahead and pay. And he's not, that's not even one of his best roles. If you love Elliot Gould that much, go pay to see something else. Go watch Freebie in the fucking Bean. Do that. Go watch MASH, the original MASH. That's money. That's Go ahead and dump it into a MASH slot machine. There you go. Get a MASH slot machine. You hit a jackpot. The fucking uh, the latrine comes down. There's a naked Sally Kellerman. That's worth putting some money in for fuck's sake. MASH is making a lot of appearances in year 10. I'm not comfortable with that. I don't think MASH should be... A part of this this much of a strong part of your fucking den no thank you uh so yeah i don't so the humming noise man i hear it it is lurking in my house i don't get it i don't understand it i don't know why it's happening and yet it's there and uh and i don't want to investigate and i don't want to figure it out i you know part of me wants to i want to humor lou and i just want to hire a fucking couple ghostbusters like or not ghostbusters but like those ghost hunter idiots uh to have them out here with like a tape recorder and a fucking you know a mining hat and they go out back looking to see who's making the fucking noise that kind of shit's hysterical to me um there's a channel at my house. It's called Destination America. It's on my fucking cable system. I, dude, I got to get out of my DirecTV contract. I didn't even realize it in a contract. I told you I got fucking bamboozled by them, right? Did I ever mention that to you guys? Dudes, I called up a couple fucking, like a year and a half ago because my internet is so fucking slow in my house. And then they jacked up the price and I called them. I'm like, look, uh, I, you know, because I, I, I know you're like, why the fuck are you calling DirecTV for your internet? Here's why. Because I had AT&T for my internet and then I had AT&T for my phone. And then I had DirecTV, and I've had DirecTV for 20 years, and then AT&T buys fucking DirecTV. Now, you used to be able to call DirecTV and get whatever the fuck you wanted. You'd have some sort of negotiation. They'd give you the football package, all this stuff to kind of keep you on board. You'd call customer retention. It was a, I had a buddy who did a side hustle where he actually called DirecTV and saved money for people and then took half what he saved them. It was a pretty good deal. Uh, however, 
Once AT&T bought them, they locked that fucking shit down. Like, you call up now, they're like, well, we can give you $5 off your February bill. And it's like, nah, dude, fuck that $5. I mean, I've been I've been a customer for 20 fucking years here. This makes no sense. My fucking, my dude, I, I mean, I'm embarrassed to tell you what I'm paying for my fucking cable and internet combined. Um... So with DirecTV, so I tried to get out of it. So a couple of years ago, I called, or not even, not even a couple of years ago, well, I'd be fucking out of it by now. But I called them about my internet. I'm like, hey, my internet is really slow. Can we fix it? And my building is totally old. So they can't rewire the building and they can't give me any Fios or any of that bullshit because God knows I need Fios. You know what? I don't, I don't need it. Nobody needs it. I don't need, I'm not a fucking corporation. Well, I mean, I am a corporation, but not really a corporation that needs to be using fucking Fios. That's just, how fast do I want my porn? Really? How, how quickly do I want these people to fuck? Honestly, I like savoring it. I want to see them going at it in real time so I can jerk off in a, in a normal, leisurely fashion. I don't want to try to keep up with these fucking people. Uh, so I, I I don't need Fios, but I looked into it because, again, I because I'm that guy. Because stupid me, I'm like, hey, you know what? I should get Fios because then I'll never have to buy internet again. I'll just have Fios and they'll never, obviously, they'll never improve it. Fios is the best fiber optic cables, right? Isn't that the thing to do? So by all means, string it up and let my house be filled with Fios. Fill me with Fios, folks. <laughs> That's a lot of Fs. Um so I called them and I, and I, you know, I, first I called around to see if I could find a substitute and I couldn't. So then I wanted to call them and see if there was a way they could give me faster service or better service or some other thing. And I got some fucking woman on the phone and, uh, and, and she's just, you know, giving me this limp dick excuse and she's got a script and I don't, I don't want any of that shit. Just give me a yes or no. All right. Cause I, and I, I pull out that thing where it's like, I've been a customer for 20 years, 20 fucking years. I was with you guys. I was the, literally, I was the first dude in my building to get a satellite dish. And after that, a wave of them occurred to the point where the top of my fucking building looks like NASA. I mean, it's, it's insane. Everybody's got a fucking dish up there. Even if they don't have direct TV, they just got dishes and then people move and they leave their fucking dish. So again, the top of the building, it just, it just looks like fucking electronic mushrooms are sprouting the fuck out. I think if aliens land, they will absolutely choose my building because it looks like some sort of fucking control center. Uh, but I have you know, uh, my dish up there. And I'm excited. I told, I told the story once where my dish got blown off the, the roof. <laughs> Look at me. Re- just recounting all these stories of dishes. You, you, this dish talk with Mike Schmidt. Um, so I called them and I'm like, Hey man, I, you know, I've been a customer for 20 years because again, I've been a customer for 20. It's gotta have some cachet, especially for direct TV, because dudes, if you knew just how many trees were being murdered by time Warner and Comcast to try to get me to fucking switch to try to get me to flip every week. I get two or three things from Comcast and time Warner telling me to come home or go here and do this. And, Oh, we need you back. And Oh, we are the only ones with the Dodgers. And did you know, and fuck Comcast too, by the way, cause Comcast, uh, my friend Gio, you know, Gio friend of the show, Giovanni Giorgio Peluso, he's fucking furious because Comcast is now trying to queer the deal between 20th century Fox and Disney. Like if Disney buys Fox, then they get the X-Men and then we can have like the X-Men mingle with the Avengers in a fucking Marvel movie. That's all we want. That's all anybody wants now because our planet has gone to fucking shit. Everything is ruined. The, the, the Nazis are taking over again. Uh, and as, as while they're marching to, is it too much to ask? Is it too much to ask that while the brown shirts are coming back and marching through the streets and starting another crystal knocked and burning down the Reichstag that we just get to go and see Wolverine say hi to Iron Man? Could we just do that? Could we possibly have something where Mystique looks at Black Widow 
And she's like, you're blue. And she's like, you're black. And they'd giggle and laugh. <laughs> and then fucking Niango Badongo or whatever the fuck her name is from Black Panther. It probably didn't sound good. I don't know what her name is. Miango something. Morongo. Morongo Casino. Yeah, Morongo Casino comes out from Black Panther. Uh, see, that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to put a fucking casino in goddamn Wakanda. That's that's going to be bad news. That's when everything's going to go fucking to hell. Because those people are happy over there, man. You look at Wakanda. It's like a, it's like Whoville. But just filled with black people. They're all happy. They're fucking eating roast beast. They're hanging out and they're inventing a bunch of crazy shit. They got a dome over the top of them so they don't have to fuck with anybody else in the earth. And then if you put a casino in there, forget it. Then every fucking degenerate slob is going to come there. And then you're going to have to every, you're going to have to have every fucking two two seven and amen slot machine put in there. Every blackish slot machine people tune into Wakanda. They're going to love it. Um, I'm just saying it's niche. That's all I'm saying. I'm not making any bigger statement than that. There's nothing problematic about that for fuck's sake. It's a joke. Everybody back off, man. Um, so I was talking about DirecTV. Hold on. We did something else about Wakanda. And then we were talking about, uh, oh, yeah. So Geo's fucking pissed at Comcast because apparently they they came in and now they've made a bid to buy. They want to buy Fox. And I don't, I don't, I guess they've offered $60 billion. Is that, is that the number or like 20 billion in stock and 40 billion in cash. I don't I don't fucking know. All I know is Comcast won't even answer the fucking phone when you call them. I don't know how they have any money left over after the budget they've used to destroy the rainforest to try to convince me to come back as a customer. But still they apparently have enough in their coffers to go ahead and buy 20th Century Fox. And he, because he told me about it, I laughed. I was like, dude, come on. I go, it's fucking Disney. Disney owns the world. There's, I, I go, Disney might buy fucking Comcast just as a joke. And then sure enough, Comcast goes ahead and makes this offer. And they're going to buy up Fox. And then who are we going to have a team up? I mean, like I just said, I wanted to see, I wanted to see fucking Cyclops and Spider-Man having a fight. I want to see Ant-Man shrink all the way down and run into Beast's hair and make him itchy. That's the thing I want to watch. I don't want to watch fucking uh, the X-Men have to fight an Indian call center. Nobody wants to fucking watch that. Because I'll tell you what, the X-Men lose. Every time, everybody loses to the Indian call center. Have you ever felt happy after talking to anybody in an Indian call center? Have you ever had your, your problems solved in any sort of a timely fashion? And let me ask you this, more importantly, when they've asked you if you would like to have a survey and give feedback, have you ever stuck around to give that feedback? That's the, that is that is the definition of optimism. If you look it up in the dictionary, it is sticking around to take the customer service survey from a call center, any random call center. When they ask you, hey, would you be happy to take a service about a, a, a survey about our service? Who says yes? Nobody. Literally nobody says yes. That That's almost as bad as the fucking when you watch a YouTube video and they play the commercial before the YouTube video and it says click here to visit the sponsor's website. That is some high level optimism thinking that anybody hey, you know what i came here because i wanted to watch glenn allen hill hit a home run in wrigley field that lands on a building roof across the street but maybe i would like to learn more about maytag let's go ahead and click on this first before i go ahead and check out the biggest bombs and home runs in in baseball history maybe i would like to learn more about you and your clothes washing technique just get the fuck out of here maytag who are you fucking fooling uh i, I and but but they do it click here and I love the little skip ad, like, like, because they make you do the work, almost like to shame you, just, eh, skip ad, and you skip it, they should have a guy, like, make a frowny face, Meh, I can't believe you skipped that ad, fuck you, I'm skipping all ads, uh, it's YouTube, me tube, me, that's me, so I make the decisions, you shouldn't even show me these fucking ads, by the way, go check out our YouTube channel, we got plenty of ads, all right, uh, so Geo's furious at Comcast, and I have to admit, I back him up on that because I mean, there's there's no reason. I don't know how these motherfuckers have any of the because again, here's why they have it. 
Eight, eight companies have the money. Eight companies have all the money in the fucking world. Uh, and it's just, a, it's just a death match. It's just a capitalism death match. And the rest of us are down here hoping to win the Powerball so we can somehow have a fucking alligator fight a child. That's the only thing we want in our lives. That's the only entertainment I want to have. I, you know what I want? You know whose life I want? I actually went to his house this fucking week. Uh, I, I want I want to be Dan Bilzerian, but I don't want to be a douchebag. Like, I, I want to be, I want to have all of the perks of a Bilzerian. Uh, but I, well, all right. I guess maybe there's something inherently douchebag about having toddlers fight homeless people. I get that. I can hear what you're saying. However, that's merely a pipe dream. Now, if I get that money, like I said, I'd go out and have adventures. I would go to children's centers. And because I'm, I'm look, if you're sick, I'm going to take care of you. If your kid's healthy, strap him up. He's fighting something. But if your kid's got cancer, I'm going to show up and give him a balloon and a dog. That's fucking amazing. I've actually thought about that. Like in my head, I was like, if I won the Powerball, would it be feasible Say, you know, say you want a hundred million dollars, a hundred fucking million dollars and you pay your taxes right up the top. That's fucking half. So you get 50 million. You're cleared 50 million dollars. Would it be feasible? Could you now go to every puppy mill or whatever the fuck shelter rescue mission? Could you rescue every dog in the world? Not even in the world. Fuck that. We can't go in the world. I can't go to Malaysia and start picking up their dogs. Let's start in America. Let's start here. America first. Let's make America, make America's pets great again. At least that, um, this is what you do. Here's what you do, folks. You win the Powerball. You get your $50 million after you're paying your taxes. You go, you buy all the, all the dogs, all the doggos, all the cats, all the birds, all the fucking mice, whatever the fuck they've got at, at any of these rescue missions. By the way, there are no rescue mice. I just thought about that. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and if there are rescue mice, they're doing a terrible job of alerting the public to that. They, are, they need to do something. They need to hire a spokesperson, get a Robert Wagner out here before he dies. Uh, just get somebody out here to fucking talk about rescue mice because i mean already i got sarah mclaughlin warbling and they show me some dog in a shoe box you got to get somebody who's got maybe celine dion could be the rescue mice person she can get out and just fucking just show a bunch of, of like mice and rats in in like tiny little habit trails and dirty disgusting but again mice and rats live in dirty disgusting uh disgusting hi hot popeye uh they live in these these terrible fucking places so who knows i don't know how it works folk i i can't i don't look at me um but if there are rescue mice, seriously, they need to do something to publicize that because people are not, not picking up on that at all. Everybody's like, hey, go rescue a dog, go rescue a cat. I think my, I think my throat just tried to escape my body. Did you hear that? Folks, I got to be honest with you. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little upset because I mean, I, you know, I'm right on the microphone here these days. I'm right here. And, and in my head, when I listen back to the show and yeah, I know you're thinking, oh, Mike, you listen back to the show. I do. I have to, because I got to find a title half the fucking time. Um, I sound smacky. Like I sound kind of spitty and smacky and I don't, I don't want to fucking sound that way. And I've talked about this on previous shows and maybe it's just my tin ear. You know what I mean? Cause I also hear my lisp half the fucking time. Uh, and my lisp is only there because I can hit the mouth of the fucking softball. So my lip is too big and it steps on my fucking tongue. And now uh, that's how the, your, your fucking mouth works. And also, I don't know if you know this since year eight, I've, I haven't had a uvula. I've had to have it removed. So there it's because it makes it easier to breathe. It's an, it's an intake thing. Cause one show in year eight, we never released it. Um, I was recording and I was, I was doing that thing, you know, where I'll, I'll talk for fucking five minutes and then I suck at a giant thing of air. I actually swallowed my own uvula. I just fucking just <laughs> it stretched so much from the intake of air that it went down my throat. I swallowed it and it was just, and, and Lily had to Heimlich me and it was a fucking mess. So, um, doing a show without a uvula, it's a challenge. I won't lie to you, but maybe I'm wondering if that's why I'm all smacky and spitty or at least sounding to me when I, cause again, I'm, this is a very intimate thing. I'm in your ears. Uh, and, and so I'm in my ears now cause I'm, you know, I do the show in earbuds and I get to listen to myself and, um, I can hear it, you know, where I think to myself, man, that sounds fucking strange. That sounds weird. And again, I shouldn't spend half the fucking show telling you how weird I sound. That doesn't make a lot of fucking sense. You guys have tuned in to enjoy this fucking show. And here I am telling you this and that and the other thing and, uh, uh, about how bad it is or how smacky and spitty it is. 
Um, didn't I have a show? I think I actually named a show Smacky and Spitty once. This is not a new problem, folks. And then I want to take a, 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 a like a break to drink water, but then that's just going to fucking halt all the momentum. And oh my God, we can't do that. Well, we've got all this momentum rolling forward, talking about rescue mice and armored children. Um, all right, so Comcast, so so Geo's fucking furious, and so am I. If they somehow queer this Disney deal, I don't I don't know why Comcast, because then they have no excuse. Then if you call, because then first of all they're going to jack your fucking rates through the goddamn roof because you got they're and you're going to be they're gonna, you're going to say hey man what's going on then I go oh man we got we had to buy Colossus polish like I mean they're, they're that's the only thing they can tell you they bought all these fucking properties who else does Fox have are they Harry Potter who's got who owns Harry Potter uh, I'm sure they'll find a way to reboot that shit Comcast or, or they'll have when you know what if you're a bad customer you'll call in and you'll get Slytherin uh, or Griffin Gale or uh, Griffin Dorf. Griffin, or is the, he's the golfer, right? Isn't Griffindorf the golfer? Uh, Griffindorf on golf. <laughs> uh, Draco Malfoy is showing you how to do a hit a long drive at uh, Griffindorf Golf. All right, so, so look at me pulling some names out. Draco Malfoy, that's a real guy. I think that's a real dude. Uh, our friend Liana, you know, she's a, a fan of mine and a friend, and she sent me all of the Harry Potters, and I think they're still encased in cellophane in my house. I think they're still here, wrapped up, and... Uh, I'll watch them. I got to watch them, right? I got to bust them out, get those Blu-rays out and check out some Harry Potter. Uh, and it's so funny. I crowdsource it. I talk to my friends. I'm like, hey, man, I've never seen any of these. They go, oh, my God, you got to see them. I'm like, well, I got to start from the beginning. And a lot of them are like, eh, the first one's kind of a kid's movie. But then after that, you got to jump in. But you got to see the first one, right? Whether they're kids or not. I got to know how they get to be all fucking wizardly. And don't I got to watch Hermione grow up and get a rack? Uh, or is that just a Saturday Night Live sketch? Because I know that Lily, uh, Lily, Lindsay Lohan was uh, she got she had tits as Hermione, and everybody's like, "Wow, that's awesome!" Um, and then unfortunately, they saw Lily, uh, Lindsay Lohan uh, naked, and then we I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Or at least it was a rerun that I played. Uh, but I can't body shame. Things have changed. Times have changed, folks. If you go listen to the old catalog, you listen to shows from year three, and you're just like, "I don't know why this guy's still doing year ten. How the fuck was he not burned at the stake back in year three? Uh, but it's because, you know why? I do it with panache, folks. I go ahead and I bring in these jokes and I bring them in a way that uh, people can't get mad. Nobody can get mad at me. I'm, I'm a lovable problematic guy. I'm that dude. <laughs> it's not like Tarantino where everybody's going after him now because he's, uh, you know, like I said, he's uh, seems like a bit of a mess. Certainly. I mean, I, you know, I, but I, but I love his movies and I love the work that he's done and I'm not, I'm just, I can't, I don't know. And cause he hired Emil Hirsch now for his movie. And I see everybody complaining about that. And everybody's mad about the fact like, I, I guess Sharon Tate's family is upset that they're making a movie about this. But I mean, that just sounds to me like Sharon Tate's family wants money because they're, how many, how many other movies have been there made about Sharon Tate? Like a million, right? Uh, or, or two, two or a million. I don't know. They made Helter Skelter. They wrote the book. Uh, I, I just, I, and I'm not going to fight with the Tate family. Who am I to fucking argue with them? They're fucking, their, their, their daughter was, was removed from this earth in the most horrific way possible. And just, and you know, Kinnison did bits about it. Fucking talking about Sharon Tate and the Manson family picks in and Wojtek Frykowski. All right. So, um, I'm going to run down all the whole Manson family, all the victims and the LaBiancos and fucking, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the fucking fork murders and pig on the wall and, uh, piggies and, uh, race war. And, uh, but don't you want to see that be turned into a movie folks? Don't you want to see what Tarantino does with that with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio? It's gonna be fucking amazing. And yes, Emile Hirsch sounds like a fucking jagoff. You know, I read that guy's name. There's so many of those dudes who came out at one time where I'm in my head. I'm like, which one is that guy? Cause there's Ethan Hawke. 
And then there's the guy who's vaping now, and who, who's kind of like Ethan Hawke, the guy from Blade, Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff, Dorf, sorry, oh my God, Stephen Dorff. Is he a Gryffindorf? Is he on golf? Maybe it's Stephen Dorff on golf as he's out there vaping in your face. Uh, vape in your face, not an A-track, making it good to the wood so that people are reacting to the facts that a kick and a stick and a slam and a point to the giant, put the Buddha down. Um, hi, that's Public Enemy. Uh, go and go and get to the roots. I, I won't do the whole song. <laughs> what if I did? What if all I did was rap fucking uh, Public Enemy? All right. Um, hi, let's take a break. Let's, let's slow the fuck down here. Let's try to think of the things we were talking about before we got so distracted by everything. Uh, a ninja, there's a ninja in my house. And then, because literally this entire show has just been a distraction because that's all I got for you is distractions. That's all I do. I just throw fireballs at this point, folks. I'm i uh, I'm the sheik in the Memphis territory. I just throw fucking fireballs right in your face. So it's a distraction. I throw it in the ref's face. Ha ha. Distract the ref. He sees a shiny lady, goes down with a fireball. And then we jump on Jerry, the King Lawler. We pull down a singlet and we tweak his nipples and kick him in the face. Fuck him. And Bill Dundee can't save him. And superstar Billy Graham won't save him. And then Andy Kaufman can come in and slap him in the goddamn face. Uh, hi, that's a lot of talk about the Memphis territory with the Fantastics and Tommy Rogers and uh, Bobby Fulton. And uh, what if I just named wrestlers the entire time? What if I did that? All these old school dudes, the spoiler. What if Mr. Wrestling 2 was here? All right, uh, Mr. Wrestling 2, that's the worst gimmick of all time. I mean, it's a fu- look, I take that back. There was a wrestler named Mr. Wrestling 2. I assume there was a Mr. Wrestling 1 that I am too old or too young to remember. But when I was a kid, there was Mr. Wrestling 2. And I just, I loved the idea of the fact that there was a Mr. Wrestling 2 and there was no Mr. Wrestling 1. I wanted to, I just think that he named himself that. Uh, I, I, I couldn't figure it out alphabetically why he would be Mr. Wrestling 2. And also Mr. Wrestling 2 was like 87 years old. He had, he had gray chest hair and, the, and he had a fucking white mask. He had the most nondescript wrestler mask ever. Because a lot of guys do that fucking lucha mask with all the, and the Japanese mask. This dude just had a white mask with a black face and he was Mr. Wrestling 2 and he would get in there with his absolutely non-toned body and but they had to pretend he was tough that, that's another great thing about wrestling in the 80s these guys who were just some completely non-toned but then, but then there were dudes like fucking Dick Murdoch who was not toned but he was just fucking he just looked like the kind of guy who would fuck you up for sitting on his car that's who fucking dirty Dick Murdoch was um Okay, I'm going to talk about the Mid-Atlantic Territory now. This is, this is the Patreon shit that I should do. Fucking uh, Chuck Hutzbeth is a listener, and he's just like, yeah, you should do like a pro wrestling podcast for like five minutes on fucking Patreon. And I'm like, yeah, but then it, you know, we, we know it wouldn't last five minutes. I'd talk for a fucking month. Um, not that anybody cares, I, I, but it's better to do that there because you guys don't want to hear me talking about those guys. And then I believe, although I know that there's a faction of people out there, and I'm like, yes, oh my God, you must talk about it. Uh, please talk about the night that the fucking road warriors took on the sheep herders in San Antonio, uh, and blood was spilled everywhere. Uh, that's Luke and Butch. They became a character, a comedy team later in WWE, uh, and much like the road warriors with Rocco, their dummy. But when they were on the independent circuit or working in the AWA and stuff like that, they were just fucking mean. Uh, the sheep herders were fucking psychos. And then the, and the road warriors, of course, were the road warriors and they battled and it was just a bloody fucking, uh, mess. Uh, <laughs> all right. So. So if you call Comcast, man, they just, they, they fuck with you. But here I called direct TV. I was telling you that fucking story and I tried to call them and get my internet fixed. And, uh, she's just like, well, uh, you know, there's nothing we can do. I mean, I, I can try to fix the adjust. And I'm, and again, it was that typical fucking customer service bullshit. They got a script. They just hold you off. They do whatever. And she goes, well, I can actually lower your rate. And she did. She took like $40 a month off of my internet for, 
like 10 months or a, or a year or something like that. And it's that thing where you just agree. You go, okay, great. I mean, whatever the fuck I'm going to save this, you know, 400 bucks. Good. Do it. Just fucking take it and cut it in half. Uh, and she's like, well, but you know, that'll kick in later and you can't do the deal again. And I'm like, I don't, that's fine. Uh, cause they just want to, you just want to save money in the, in I'm again, as you folks know, I'm the grasshopper. I'm not the ants. The ants would negotiate. The ants would talk with the head of the direct TV customer service. They would get everything in writing. I'm the grasshopper. I'm like, we save money. We, and then I hop off and I play my violin and I steal the fucking ants, uh, peanuts or whatever the fuck they're hoarding for the winter, uh, which was fine. But then four days later, I get an email from DirecTV, or no, two days later, two days later, I get an email from DirecTV, and it says on there, uh, hey, thank you for extending your contract with uh, DirecTV. You're now, a, you have a two-year agreement that you can't break, and then there's this, th- th- what ensues is 75 pages of ironclad instructions that I have to follow for the next two fucking years. Uh, and I'm furious, because she never told me that I was re-upping for a two-year contract. She was just like, okay, well, you'll save this money, and I can do this for you today. And and I said, great. But she never told me, Are you, but you're you're committing to a two-year fucking upgrade or a two-year lock-in. Because I wouldn't, I, you know me, folks, I'm free and easy. Look at me snapping. I'm free. I, I like to go in the breeze. I like to go month to month. Because you never know, I could be fucking dead tomorrow. I've had so much chocolate, I could fucking, I could have a diabetic fucking explosion in my body, and something could fuck, I could just lay on the ground. There could be, there, there might be a Hershey monster living inside. That might be the humming noise. Now that I fucking think about it, there could be a Hershey bar monster manifesting itself inside of my midsection. He's going to burst out of my rib cage at any point, And then I'm dead. And then you know what happens in my death? I still owe 11 months to fucking direct TV. And you know, they're going to take it. You know, they're going to come find it somehow. They're going to come to my house and sell something, sell my laptop and try to fucking recoup. And I can't have them recoup. I don't want to, I don't want to fucking direct TV recouping on my losses. I don't want them fucking thinking that I'm dead and coming in and stealing all my stuff. Um, Cause those are, dude, those are ironclad contracts. Do not even think about trying to get out of it. It's just, it was funny when I was with Jill, we, we, she got out of her Comcast deal to join, to become a direct TV person. And I was like, all right, this is cool. And, uh, because then it was whatever I, cause I was extolling the virtues of direct TV because this is before fucking AT&T bought it. So she gets the direct TV all installed. I think I talked about this on the show and then Comcast, they wanted the box back and then they're still charging her, but then she was getting free Wi-Fi, and then she wasn't dude. It was a fucking, they just, they got no idea what's happening over there. They have no idea what's happening over there, and we're going to trust them now with the future of Kitty Pride. We can't do that, man. Stand down, Comcast. Let Disney do this. They've proven they know how to do it. That's what they know how to do. They know how to exploit workers and make superheroes fucking famous. That's it. They'll do, they'll do a Morlock storyline. You guys don't even know who the fucking Morlocks are. You know who the Morlocks are at fucking Comcast? The Morlocks work in the call center. That's where the Morlocks are. But at Fox, you know, Disney knows what to do with Fox and the Morlocks and the Sentinels and all that stuff. And they just, just let them have it. Just that, you know what? If you want to buy Fox News or the Fox TV network or the Fox libraries and shit, that's fine. But just give the Marvel stuff to Disney. Let them have it. Don't come swooping in here, Comcast, with your bullshit. Infuriating. Infuriating, folks, I tell you. <sighs> I had a good weekend. I had a good week, I should say. I had a good uh, weekend, you know, because last weekend I, I didn't get to tell you. Well, I talked. I told you I was going to Max FunCon, and uh, and and that uh, dudes that was fucking. Uh, you know, first of all, it was in the middle of nowhere. All right, let's talk about me for a second. Uh, I'm a guy who uh, I don't like hassles, as you know. And uh, it sounds awesome that I would go to Max FunCon. I'm like, dude, this is going to be so great. I cannot wait. I, Jesse Thorne is just the nicest, sweetest guy who supported me from the beginning. And I was like, I'm so happy to do this. And thank you. Cause I had pitched myself to him and I'll, t- I'll tell you, this is the true story. I pitched myself to him cause I wanted to go there and do like an hour long show, like a recording. I want to do an hour, hour and a half or whatever, a real kind of a one man show. It would have been stand up storytelling. I would have just gone and done that. And then Jesse was very nice. He wrote me back. He goes, Hey, I don't have any slots left for that, but would you like to do the stand up show? 
And in my head, I'm like, yes, I do want to. And by the way, this is my internal monologue. This is not what I'm telling Jesse. But in my internal monologue, I'm like, I do want to do that. But do I want to drive 200 miles round trip to go up and do a, a, a 10 minute set? And, uh, and he also offered me to teach a class while I was up there. And I just thought to myself, you just, you must not care at all for these people who are coming up to Max FunCon. If you're going to, if you're going to put me in a teaching capacity, <laughs> I mean, he was a, it was a stand up thing. He was like, Hey, you can teach a stand up class. And I, 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 I just, you know me, I question myself in the moment. Like I, I could do it, but I mean, all, all my, <laughs> here's my, the extent of my stand up knowledge. Just do it. That's it. Write And do stand up. That's that. I don't, cause I don't believe I mean, look, there's st- certainly joke structure and construction and things like that. And, but that's all technical nonsense that I can't tell you anything about because, uh, I, I came out of the comedy womb fully formed and, and that's not even a joke. There is a comedy womb in Chicago. So I, I literally came out. I was a guy who just knew what to do. I, I got on stage. I talked, I knew how to write jokes and, and it just kind of came naturally to me. So for me to sit down and kind of, and, and try to break it down in a way where I'm telling you exactly what you need to do to be successful. And, and again, that's another fucking kettle of worms. I'm, I'm sitting here doing a fucking show in my apartment at my desk. Now, granted, it's certainly successful in the fact that you guys listen, everybody's nice. And I get a lot of great feedback from people, but at the same time, it seems like at least one of those people in that classroom would raise their hand and go, hi, Mike, uh, you know, Lori from the comedy Gazette here. Uh, why are you telling us about success? And I would be stumped. I would have no answer for her. I would just go, I don't know. I'm now going to slink off to my car and drive the other 95 miles back home because I'm deser- I've been deservedly owned by Lori from the Comedy Gazette. Uh, I will climb back into the comedy womb and try to gestate and come out a little more fully formed later on. Um, so I, you know, I was going to write Jesse and go, look, man, I don't, you know, having me teach a class, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and, uh, and you know, maybe I don't come up for a short set because I was hoping to do a long set. Because in my head, again, the hassle showed up. The 50-year-old Mike showed up. The grandpa showed up. was like, yeah, you don't want to do this. And you're already, and I was already talking myself out of fucking doing it. Where I'm like, yeah, you're not good at this anymore. What are you fucking going to go do? You're going to make those people hear you pay. A, and I know you're tired of me telling you that that guy exists in my head, but he's there. So, um... I was going to write Jesse and go, look, I, you know, this and this and this, but I, I, but I did write him back and I was like, maybe me teaching a class isn't a thing, but stand up sounds like, you know, something I could definitely do, but I'm not sure. I, I hemmed and hawed and, uh, and it, it, look, I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't put my foot down. I didn't tell anybody anything of import. Uh, I just fucking, I hid under the coats. That's exactly what I did. I hid under, I hid under the coats and hoped it would go away because he had offered me to come up and do those things. I never accepted, but I never declined. I just kind of was like, I let a a tumbleweed blow through my email. And then I got a confirmation email about a month later from Eric at the, at the never, at the, not never, not funny at the, at Max FunCon saying, Hey man, you're teaching the class on Friday and you're doing stand up on Saturday. And again, I had not confirmed. I had not said anything, but again, that's, that's on me. That's my fucking fault. Uh, so then I went, all right, well, I'm going to do this. It's going to be fucking amazing. It'll be fun. And uh, then he and I went back and forth. I'm like, all right, am I performing? Am I not? Because I got to plug it. I got to tell people this, this isn't. Eric was very nice. He answered all of my questions. And then he wrote me and he goes, hey, look, you know what? You're actually not teaching on Friday. We got another person to do that. So you're going to be just doing a set on Saturday. It's going to be great. You're going up second. And, uh, and again, here's how much of a child I am. And you know this, and I know you already know this before I even fucking tell you, uh, I didn't want to teach that class. And I didn't think I would be good at teaching that class. But the second they said I wasn't going to be teaching that class, I was like, why the fuck am I not teaching this class? All of a sudden I'm not good enough to teach your goddamn class. What's wrong with you, Max FunCon? Don't you want a pro, a 27 year pro, a fucking stand up to come in here and tell a story and tell people exactly how they need to succeed? 
Uh, first of all, here's how you succeed. You don't reply to emails offering you the opportunity to teach a class on stand-up. That's a really good way to get ahead of the game. You hide under the coats and hope things you don't like go away. Oh, is that a key to success? By all means, I can advocate for that right now in person and on the air. Uh, so... He sent the confirmation, then they yanked the fucking thing, so that I'm just going up Friday to hang, and then I'm doing the show on Saturday night. Now, that sounds like a cool-ass idea, except, folks, I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys uh, two weeks ago or whatever. Two weeks ago, I got a uh, I got a friendly reminder from the tax people, and they were like, hey, Mike, they knocked on my door, and they were like, you know, here's the thing. Um, this is America. And you're supposed to pay taxes in America if you've earned income. Were you planning on doing that anytime soon? <laughs> uh, because I will tell you this, I've had some extensions filed for some uh, past years and uh, I was not caught up and I was kind of, guess what I did? They sent me notices and they were like, you should file. And I, I call my accountant and I go, can you file an extension for me? He's like, yes, I can. I go, great. Talk to you in a year. And then the next year I go, hey, can you file an extension for this year as well? And he's like, absolutely. So he was being that guy. And uh, and I guess what I did? I made a beeline for the coats, just dove right underneath them. Like, ah, another year without tax paying. Oh, I'm so happy. It'll The bill will come due eventually, but not yet. Now I lay under the coats, warm, hidden, hidden from view. No one can see me and make me do the things that I want. Oh, you'd like me to teach a class on paying your taxes on time? Have I got news for you? I can't hear you under this pile of London fogs. Oh, I am hiding. Uh, So I did. I hid from the tax people. I hid from, I hid from everything, folks. Well, the tax people sent me a letter. They're like, dude, what the fuck? And so I got to call my accountant and be like, hey, can you file three years worth of taxes for me by Wednesday? And he's like, sure, get me all the paperwork. Now, I will be honest with you, that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to get a hold of him is because I hate, dudes, it's out of control. It is out of control how much I hate doing anything. Like, I need need a girl Friday or or a guy Friday. Or, or anybody. I need anybody. I need a Friday. I, I, you know, I need that Rebecca Black. I need somebody to come and fucking help me out, man. I need Donna Summer. Thank God it's Friday. Friday. Uh, or is it the village people? Uh, no. The, the, it, no, it's Donna Summer. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, well, they're, she, they're both in the movie. <laughs> That's, isn't Bruce Jenner in that movie? I think Bruce Jenner tags a chick in that movie, right? Isn't he just back when he was still cocked? Um, before he became a lady. He's a lady. She's a lady. They're ladies they, they, together. Bruce, well, Bruce was Bruce. And then now he's, but he was a lady inside of himself. And now he, he uh, she is now a definitely a Caitlin, a lady. I apologize. I'm, I'm, my pronoun game is a little off right now. And it's, I'm a little, I won't lie to you. I've, I've been hanging under the coat so long. I forget what you say and how to talk to people. Um, I'm literally trying to pull exactly where I was, but my brain just went, well, you were talking about the village people. (laughs) And I really wasn't. I promise I was not. Uh, Oh, so he, so I'm like, dude, can you file all of these taxes, please? And uh, he's like, yeah, no problem. And just get me all this paperwork. And oh, that's what it was. I hate, I just, so then I got to find like my fucking Obamacare shit. And then I got to get all of my fucking W2s and my I9s because, you know, yeah, I'm an independent contractor. So I got to give them all this stuff. And it's just, uh, it's a zoo folks. It's just, and again, it's not that hard. It's, it's not hard at all, but in my brain, I have now made everything just, just Bob Beeman's long jump. I mean, I, I just don't see myself being able to, like I've psyched myself out already. I'm like, Oh Christ. Cause I mean, dudes, I had plenty of opportunity to file these taxes. 
I mean, I, I, you know, I was going to do it before I went to Japan. I was doing all, all these different times. I had it in mind. And then I sat down and I'm like, oh, man, I totally need to find all that paperwork. <laughs> and by totally mean to, uh, to need to find it, I mean, I had to click like eight things and download some fucking forms. That's it. That's all I had to do. Because I'll tell you what, it was remarkably easy when he finally goes, here's what I need. Bing, 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 bing. And I said, okay. And I sat down to do it. And it, it took me 15 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. I've been putting off the taxes for three fucking years and it took me 15 minutes to download. And that's, and let's put it this way. It took me 15 minutes to download everything for three years. Imagine if I did it year by year, it took me five minutes, maybe, maybe that, and then get it to him and he can do all the fucking paperwork. Uh, cause I don't, I don't do any of the filing folks. Cause again, I'm the talent. Uh, I just have my guy do it. He takes care of it. He farms it out. He figures out whatever he's got to figure out. So, uh, however, Three years of taxes is no joke, folks. Now, not, not only is whatever I'm going to owe the state and the country going to be prohibitive in some way, there are penalties, there are fees, but also I got to pay this guy for doing all of my fucking taxes because that's something I rarely figure in. Because I will tell you this, I talk to people, I have civilian friends and they're like, oh, well, when I get my taxes back, I'll be able to do this. When I get my taxes back, I can buy tickets to that. When I get my taxes back, I might get a motorcycle. Uh... Dudes, I don't get taxes back. I don't. And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, it's because you don't file for three fucking years. Yes, exactly. But if I filed even on time, I because I'm an independent contractor, I always come out even. Or I owe, you know, like a, a grand or whatever. The, I, I always, I never get money back. I just don't. Uh, and, and that's fine because to me, I, I don't, you know, I, I pay what I have to pay. Uh, this is going to sound weird. My philosophy of life is you always got to pay taxes. I wish they were using it to fix the shit that I would. I wish you could designate exactly where your taxes went. You know, I, if I could just say, hey, you know what? I want all of my taxes for this year to go toward EBTs for poor people. That would be fucking fantastic. Hey, make this, make, convert all of my money into food stamps for the homeless and the poor. Could we go ahead and feed some people? That'd be great. Or could you just fix a couple of streets and just put my name up? I mean, it's bad. You know, when a cop dies in a motorcycle crash, they put up a sign with his name on it. Well, Jesus, I'll donate the money and you just go ahead and, well, I'm not donating the money. I'm paying the tax money, but use that to fix a couple of streets and then put up uh, this, this uh, litter cleaned up and this fucking pothole filled courtesy of Mike Schmidt, the 40 year old boy. Um, and by the way, I don't mean to demean what happens when a cop's in an accident. I'm not saying like, Oh, they shouldn't get a tribute tribute to all these motherfuckers. Anybody who dies in the line of service or duty or whatever the fuck, well, veterans, anybody like that, just fucking regale them with honors and give them flowers and milk. I, I, apparently I believe that dying in war is equivalent to winning the Indianapolis 500. <laughs> give them flowers and milk. Hey, you take an RPG to the face in fucking Afghanistan. Come home, buddy. We've got a rose wreath and some 2% for you. We're going to pour it right down your dead gullet. What a fucking whiff. Uh, all right. So here's the deal, folks. I, uh, I, I've, I've hidden from everything. I've hidden from taxes. I've hidden from fucking I, from Max FunCon. So finally, I, I sent all my stuff over to, to my accountant, and he's doing his due diligence. And then I get that notice from Max Fun, and they're like, hey, dude, you're totally not going to be doing anything on Friday. You're just going to be hanging out. It's going to be great. And then you'll be doing the show on Saturday. And, uh, and so I split the baby on this one, folks. I did, I did, isn't it Lot or no, Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt who cut his baby in half. Uh, Abraham, I don't know, some fucking Bible idiot cut his kid in half. So I'm him because I actually contacted Eric and I'm like, I go, and I, (laughs) having of trying to avoid everything already, I'm sure this sounded like a bullshit story to him, but it was, it's a true fucking story, but I had to write about it. I go, look, Eric, I got a massive tax bill this week. Is there any way I can, I can kind of not do Friday and just come up Saturday for the show. Uh, because, and, and I did not want to do that. I wanted to go hang out on Friday because there, you know, 
the when he he put up on his page on the reason I thought about going to Max FunCon was because Jesse posted on Facebook if you guys were going to want to see certain acts at Max FunCon who would they be and uh, and some of you were kind enough to swoop in there and write my name and say it would be so cool to see Mike Schmidt it would be great if Mike Schmidt was there and that's when I went well you know what I'm going to pitch myself because I've got the momentum of three people wanting to see me there maybe I get myself an hour long slot uh, three people get you ten minutes on a Saturday which is fine I'll take it. So that was the deal. I wanted to get up there because, and also, so Friday I could meet people who know me from Jordan Jesse Go. Because whenever I do Jordan Jesse Go, people write me awesome notes and they're super cool. Like I, I went up on Saturday and I met uh, uh, Pedrick was his name, and I met a guy named Adam. I believe it might have been Alan. Could have been Adam. I'm sorry, I'm old and I apologize if I don't remember clearly. Uh, but they were very nice people who came up to me on Saturday and they were just like, "Dude, whenever you're on Jordan Jesse Go, we fucking we love it. Like we, I just, I it's because it's." Uh, well, I'll get, to, I'll get to that in a second because I'll talk a bit more about when I went up there. But uh, <laughs> so the point is I uh, I wrote Eric and he was very gracious and he said, yeah, Mike, that's not a problem. Don't worry about it. And I'm sure he had so many other things logistically to take care of. Uh, getting me out of his hair was fucking job one. So he's just like, oh, you're going to take yourself out of the equation. Fantastic. Goodbye. I don't want to deal with your bullshit. Uh and I regretted it because, again, I would much prefer to go mingle with comedy fans than drive all night long. But with the travel coming up in July and the big tax bill and stuff like that, it's imperative on me to go drive. I drove today. I've, I've driven. I've literally driven every day. I, 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 <laughs> I've driven every day. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, so I, I, I drove on Friday night and then I, I drove all day Friday to try to catch this bonus because it's like, get it, whatever, you don't care. So I'm going up on Saturday. Uh, Friday, I will tell you this Friday night I drive and, uh, two weeks ago I had my headlight replaced, my left headlight. And then I'm driving Friday night and my right headlight goes out. This, this is the fifth time I've had to replace my headlights in the past year. And if that doesn't tell you how much I'm fucking driving, I don't know what will. I'm, I'm, I'm literally out racing the light bulbs. I'm, I'm driving at the speed of light all night long and out racing them and burning them out because I, I, this is the fifth time. This is the, it's the third time on the right and I've done it twice on the left. And, uh, and it's just the bulbs, they, they burn out. And so I, I will, t- <laughs> that same night, my radio started to freak out. Like I was trying to switch stations and it wouldn't switch because I chose, I had, I have a, I don't have a regular radio. I have a radio that was put in at Best Buy. And then also my dashboard lights, you're going to, I don't know if you're going to get this. You know how your, your speedometer and all that stuff is lit up and your heater, you know, how the, the, the dashboard, how it's all lit up. Well, when I would turn on my headlights, the dashboard would disappear. It was completely pitch black. And I'm like, son of a bitch. So, so now again, if the headlight burns out in my head, I go, all right, well, my headlight burned out. I got to get that fucking fixed. But if it's in conjunction with the radio screwing up and then the dashboard in my head, I'm just like, have I, did I blow a fuse? Do I got a car ghost? Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a show on Destination America, Car Ghost. They got that. It's like fucking, I'm going to get him to investigate the big hum and then go and sleep in my car for the night. What was that? What was that? Uh, <laughs> so my fucking headlight burns out Friday night along with that other electrical bullshit. And in my head, I'm like, oh man, I got to, because I, I have to drive. I have to because, and I can't get in to see Dave. I can't, I can't go see Dave at uh, my auto place. Um, I don't know the accent down. Uh, hello, Mike. Crikey. Uh, I can't go there on the weekend because they're closed. So all I can do is fucking tough it out with one headlight. 
Uh, so it's just me and the, the, the wallflowers. It's me and Jacob Dylan and the wallflowers. And we're out all night driving, the, uh, and that's fantastic. So I drive Friday. I get home at like fucking 6 in the morning, and I crash, and I get up to go. It's a 90-mile ride from my house to Lake Arrowhead, which is where Max FunCon is. And they recommend it. They go, look, man, leave it like 1 or 2 in the afternoon because then it's a leisurely drive. You're not sweating it. You're not sitting in fucking traffic because they wanted me there an hour early for the show. Show was at 8. We were all going to meet at 7.15 in the lobby, but they wanted me to get there a little earlier. And, and I was like, I was fine with that. I wanted to get there. It's because they're like, come and get dinner at 6 because there's food for everybody. It's, just, it's a fucking badass gathering. It's totally, dude, Jesse does it right. Jesse is just, uh, he's one of the kindest souls I've ever met and just a really giving, gracious human being. And he's, he's always, he truly cares about the people who listen. He loves them. I mean, and and it, I know that sounds cliche and dumb and weird, but uh, but he has the kind of relationship that I have with you guys in that, we, we realize that without you, we're not doing this. Like without you guys supporting and listening and all that sort of stuff, there's no, there's no us. So thank you. And, and I, and, and thank all of you, Jesse people <laughs> who support me and, and him at the same time. That's a lot of gracious on your level too. You guys are, you're more gracious than all of us combined. You two people, you just one of you All right, the three people who've requested me. I don't want to name any names. Uh, so I got a little spunny up there. I, I actually breathed and I got lightheaded there. Did you hear me? I took that big gulp of air. See, this is what happens when you don't have a uvula. It doesn't fucking hold it off. So uh, Saturday I get up and I figure, well, if I leave at three, I'm okay. You know what I mean? I figure it's, it takes, it's 90 minutes, probably an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. I go to leave my house at three o'clock. It says it's two hours to Arrowhead, which is still okay, but I don't want to be in the car for two fucking hours. And I'm like, ah, you know what? Maybe I'll stop and get some fucking lunch. So I went and gassed up the car and I went to El Pollo Loco and I ate a couple of chicken legs and, uh, and, and, uh, some broccoli. Don't order broccoli from El Pollo Loco. I, I don't even, I did it just cause I'm trying to eat vegetables instead of starches and carbs. New Mike, uh, I've been told I got to go keto. I've got to avoid sugar and carbs and just go meat and veg. Uh, I got to eat meat and two veg. Ha ha. Take that Austin powers. It sounds like I'm sucking you off. All right. So I went to El Pollo Loco. I sat down. I got my chicken. I relaxed. I had some broccoli. Uh, I did not get corn because, again, starchy. Uh, but I won't lie. I got some mashed potatoes, and I ate those because I'm like, ah, whatever. I can't just because you need mashed potatoes. If you see mashed potatoes, eat them, even if they're bad at a fucking fast food joint. You got to have them. Unless you're giving up carbs and sugar. Don't yell at me, John. He's not listening. All right. Uh, I got to take some water because my fucking throat sounds like, you know what? Literally, the inside of my throat feels like a fruit roll up right now. Hold tight. God damn, it felt like a fruit roll-up. Uh, uh, <clears throat> all right, <laughs> all right. so uh, I finished my lunch at El Pollo Loco. I go to get in the car, and I set up the directions to get there. Uh, so I figured, again, like I said, I'd let some of the traffic burn off because it was two hours when I sat down to have lunch, and I got up, and after gassing up the car and eating lunch and stuff, it was now 3.35, and then I put on the phone, and it turns out it was two hours and 25 minutes now. While trying to burn off traffic, I actually added a half hour of traffic to my trip. And now it's 3.35, so now I'm looking at getting there, you know, it's at, at 6, when I was hoping to get there a little earlier than that. Also, I should tell you this, uh, I'm sweating this, even though it's a 10-minute fucking set, I don't do short sets anymore. So I had spent some time that week trying to figure out what I was going to do and what I was going to talk about, but uh, my brain doesn't work. Like I said, it, it, as much as... I try to hide under the coats from, from everything else. I, 
I just push work off. I push work off. So writing that set to me was going to be very difficult. And like, well, I, I, cause look, I did this every week for 2020 or every month. I should say I would do 2020 and I would vamp. I would work the crowd. I would have fun. I would mix in some stuff from the show. I'd mix in some fucking tweets or whatever the fuck that I had talked about. And it was funny. And I was on stage and I, I did good. I did, I did a good job, but it wasn't disciplined and I knew it. And I'd be disappointed in myself, even if I did well. And, and, you know, I'd, I'd hang out, everything would be fine. I'd go for a burger with Erica or whatever. And then I'd get in the car on the way home and I'd be like, you fucked up. You know, you could have done better than that. You could have written a 20 minute act. You could be writing a 20 minute act every goddamn month. What's wrong with you next month? We'll be better. Cut to comically the fucking hands on a clock flying. And then the next date shows up and I'm not getting five o'clock that afternoon of a seven o'clock show. I go to get in the shower and I'm like, well, all right, you know, I'll bang some stuff around uh, in the shower and try to figure it out because I'm an idiot. I'm like, yeah, that's what you do. You wait until two hours before a show when you've had a month of, of time to prepare. It's, I, this is a habit I'm trying to break. It's discipline. It's work ethic. I've never had it my whole life. You know this. I talk about it every goddamn week now. So it's a 10 minute set and I've got two and a half hours in the car to think about it. And I'm, I'm sweating it because I'm dumb in my head. I'm not dumb. I'm not a dumb person, but I make it harder for me. And also, by the way, when I said I, uh, I don't do short sets anymore, that's, that's just, again, that's another excuse. Because the thing is, if I get a longer set, if I got an hour or 20 minutes or whatever the fuck, that means I can live in it. That means I can vamp. I can goof around. 10 minute sets got to be laser focused. I mean, I can go out and fuck around. And what am I going to do? Work the crowd at max fun con. That just seems fucking ridiculous. I'm going to show up and, and vamp. I, I didn't want to do it. So I got in the car and the weirdest thing was it said there was a 29, 29 minute delay on the 210. Uh, I, I'm not joking you. I got on it. It was exactly 29 minutes. And then the, the freeway was open. I, I don't know if Waze inst- uh, induced some sort of mass hypnosis in everybody and told them it would be 29 minutes of the delay. And then it just cleared up and everybody kind of fucking rolled. It was great. Uh, but I drove. I was in the car two and a half hours. And, uh, you know, the, the you know the first initial, the 210, that's fine. But then you started getting on those uh, freeways that have one number. You know what I mean? I'm on the 210 and those then I'm on the 173. Then I'm on like the 8. And you're just... It's at Lake Arrowhead, so it's up a hill, man. So I'm driving, and uh, and thankfully it's light outside. But I mean, I'm I'm rolling up curves, and I'm I'm moving, and and I would see signs. It was great. There was a sign that said uh, construction coming on Highway 73 soon, or 173, I think it was. And in my head, I even went, "Well, so that means you're going to finish it at some point," because all I'm seeing on the right hand side here, any any travel, any sort of trip where the only thing I can see out of the right hand side of my car is sky. And I'm not in a fucking plane or a helicopter. That's bad. I just fucking fix this thing. Uh, but I rolled up. You roll through small towns. You're driving. You're moving. I finally get to Lake Arrowhead. Uh, <laughs> I don't want, see, here's the thing. The set I wound up doing was all about the trip up. So I just don't want to just do the set here. That just seems ridiculous. I wish I would have taped it. I wish I had a copy of it because I would totally play it for you. Uh, but I'm, I, why would I even look at me peeling back the fucking curtain? Anyway, the point is I, I roll up the hill. Uh, I, I have to tell you a couple of jokes that I did do on stage because they, um, they made me very happy, but well, I'll get to that in a second. First of all, I get to, uh, Max FunCon and I walk in and, uh, I see Jordan Morris right there immediately. I wound up talking to him, another guy who could not be more friendly or nice or gracious to me and, uh, and has reached out to help me in the past and, uh, hold on fighting off a fucking yawn. Uh, bad throat and a yawn. This is just, uh, you know, this whole enterprise is falling apart. Fuck. I get You know what I need to do? I need to hire somebody to play me going forward. I need to hire an actor, uh, and he can come in. I'll stage whisper to him my stuff and he'll just say it into the fucking microphones. So he didn't have to hear smacky, spitty and yawny. 
um, <clears throat> or that, or, or, or Cleary, <laughs> or, or a Hemi. Um, so I see Jordan, I talk to him, I see some other people, and uh, when I walk inside, and they they ring the dinner bell, this is the weirdest thing, I'm talking to Jordan Morris, and then the dinner bell goes off, gong, gong, and uh, everybody silently pads over to wait in line to go have dinner. And uh, I go back to my car, I don't want to eat before the show, because I'm a weirdo, uh, but then I'm just killing time and now I just feel like a dope. So then I kind of take a lap because I was looking for Jesse is what I was doing. So I take a lap through the dinner room and everybody's eating and dude, there was salmon and there was just delicious looking salmon and then some, uh, like a short rib and I was starving and I wanted to eat, but I just, I don't eat before a show. I just make sure that I don't. So I took a couple of laps and finally J Keith Van Stratton saved me. He's the, he's a, a really funny guy. If you don't know him, he's got his own podcast now called, uh, fuck. I don't know the name of it. Of course. Uh, but, but it's really good. He and Helen Hong are the co-hosts of it. And it's, uh, just Google it or look it up. It's, it's, he was, Jay Keith used to host Beat the Geeks. Cool guy. Really just another, another uh, dudes. I'm so lucky to know the people that I know. I mean, I know a bunch of Jagoffs too, but I mean, there are people who are really nice and kind. And I mean, I just, you know, you don't have to fucking stop me. I'm taking a lap through the dinner room, but Jay Keith gets up from his dinner where he's enjoying it with a table full of people. And they're fetting him with, uh, cause he had just done his podcast. And they're telling him how great he is. He takes time out from being, uh, back clapped or, or, or getting praised to reach out to me, which was so nice of him. And he's like, Hey Mike, how you doing? And he, uh, and I said, I was looking for Jesse. I'm walking. He goes, well, grab some food, man. I go. And I also, another reason I didn't want to eat, like I said, I don't eat before a show. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't want to eat because I didn't feel like I earned it. Uh, I didn't come up Friday. And I, now I'm here Saturday to do 10 minutes and I, I just didn't feel like I was earning a meal. It was, it was for the people at Max FunCon, for the people who'd done longer shows. And I know, yeah, I know <laughs> I can hear your eyes rolling from here. Uh, but I, I hold myself to that standard because also, and also it's part of being fat guy. You know, fat guy doesn't want to be caught shoveling short rib in his face. And someone comes over and goes, um, excuse me, that was for the guests. And then I'm fucking horrified. So horrified, even more horrified than I am at the double whistle on guests. Uh, so I, I didn't eat. But Jay Keith was nice. He, he prodded me to do so, and I didn't. I took a couple more laps. And then I went out into the lobby, and uh, I, I met uh, our stage manager, Mar- Marina. Damn it, I don't remember. I met Eric, who I'd been trading emails with. I met Helen Hong, very funny comedian. She was in the show. And then I met the previously uh, mentioned P- Patrick and uh, Adam, and they, they were so nice to me, and they were great. And they, they both, what they said was, I alluded to it, to it earlier. They said they like when I'm on Jordan Jesse go because it's a different, uh, it's a different vibe. And it's because Jordan and Jesse are gentle, nice men. And then I come in and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I got, I'm a bit of a tooth chipper. You know what I mean? I, I speak in rough language and, and I, they, they're fascinated by stories where I've hit a guy and they, they'll ask those questions. Uh, even if I'm, even if I'm not that, oh, that was a weird noise in your ear. I apologize for that. <clears throat> My, cause my throat, honestly, Maybe you can hear the quality of it going down. It really, it feels like a fruit roll-up. It feels sticky in there. Like I want to peel it out. That's, again, this is the hazards of no uvula. Um, but Jordan and Jesse, they kind of look at me, I think, as an oddity. Just this like fucking kind of part meathead guy. And they don't get a lot of that. So, uh, and it's a different show when I'm on with them. Because they'll talk and we'll, we'll get, you know, there'll be some talks of aggression. And whatever, it's totally fun. But it was nice to hear fans say that they responded to that. It was nice to hear fans reach out to me and say, you know, that they had, that they, they cared or they liked it. And I was like, man, that's, I mean, that's really cool. So I got to meet some fans, got to hang out. And then they told us that, uh, eventually they'd be coming with a shuttle for us to go to the amphitheater. Now amphitheater to me, that conjures up a giant fucking building. And then they tell us it's outdoors. So we might want to grab a coat or something. 
and I, uh, I didn't know it was going to be outdoors. I didn't know there was an amphitheater. And then they said they're going to take a shuttle because it was up uh, Cardio Hill. Now, look, I know you're thinking to yourself, I should have gotten some training in for Cincinnati, but fuck that. I'm about to do a show. I, I, I don't want to be sweating. I don't want to go up there with sore quads. Uh, although, I'll be honest with you. I got sore quads pretty much all the goddamn time. That's a lie. My legs are in perfect shape, and you can feel them if you'd like. Um, so we so we get in the shuttle. It's me and Helen and a, a guy named Dino Archie, who's an incredibly uh, nice gentleman. He was super nice to me. And Kim Clark, Kimberly Clark, was our MC, And then Kate Willett was our headliner. I had booked Kate for 2020. I don't think she remembered me. She remembered me to see me and say hello, but I don't think she knew who I was. Uh, because Kate Willett is a star now. She is, I booked her for 2020 on somebody's recommendation and now she's moved to New York and I think she's writing on a show and, uh, she's got a Netflix special coming out and she is a monster. It was that thing where, uh, I booked her for 2020 and all of a sudden, guess what? Career explode. Now, I'm not saying I had anything to do with it, although I am saying I had everything to do with it. Uh, but so anyway, so she's in that whirlwind phase of her career where she kind of recognizes people and just goes, hi, but she's also shell shocked enough that she's meeting so many new fucking people all the time that she's probably just like holding on for your dear life because it's happening really quickly for her. And it should, she's fucking hilarious. Um, and, and just a great writer. Lily loved her and we, she did a great job at 2020. So she came over and said, hi, we're waiting for the shuttle. Uh, we went up cardio Hill, we get to the amphitheater and it is truly, it's an outdoor amphitheater. So I, uh, I took an Instagram photo. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I'll tell you about that later. And I put up a picture of the view from the stage. Now, I will tell you this. If you've seen the photo, that was taken 40 minutes before the show. <laughs> okay. Don't, I mean, the place was packed by the time we did the show, but it was too dark to take another photo and I didn't want to do that. Um, but I, it dawned on me after I posted that photo, I'm like, people are going to think it's fucking eight people watching me in the woods, which makes no sense. Uh but I posted it, and the, and the joke I posted on Instagram, I said, this is the view from the outdoor amphitheater at Max FunCon. They don't have a light. When your set is over, Burt Reynolds just climbs out of the foliage and shoots you with a crossbow. Uh, on stage, when I went on stage, you know, that Kimberly Clark went up and she did very well. Jesse came in. I, I've got to see him. He came backstage and was very nice to all of us. And, uh, we were in the back waiting and I was, uh, you know, I was telling Dino, I, I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm, I said, I'm nervous. I don't, I said, I don't do this very much anymore. He goes, well, but don't worry about it. How long have you been doing it? I was like, you don't even want to know probably as long as you've been alive. Cause again, these are all young people. And I'm an ancient man. Uh, but Dino's just a super cool guy from Canada and he's, he's in LA a lot. And I just, I look forward to seeing him again. Cause again, he's, he could not have been more friendly. Um, I miss hanging out with comics and, and talking comedy and being in a green room. And, and I missed all that. And so to sit there with Helen and him and joke around and Kimberly before the show even started, it was, it was really fun. And then the show started and Kimberly went outside and, and she did very well as the MC and she brought me up and I, I got on stage and, uh, you know, I have to lean back cause I'm hearing, I'm hearing smacky. God damn it. I'm taking water. And now back to the 40 year old boy already in progress. I, I have got to climb out of my head. I have to. I, I, I mean, uh, maybe you can't hear it. Maybe you can. I don't know. But don't write me and say, yes, we hear it and it's awful because I think it's awful already and you'll just fucking extrapolate the problem uh, or, or exacerbate. I don't think you'll extrapolate anything. You'll exacerbate. You'll, you'll eat something. Uh, so I got on stage and I, I, I said, I got two of these. And I did the Burt Reynolds line. And then I, I said, also, there's, a, and, and so I did it another way. And it was, uh, it's good to be here at the outdoor amphitheater uh, for Max FunCon. Now, you know, when your set is over here, they don't have a light. You just listen to hear the sound of Ned Beatty being raped in the distance. 
And uh, and I got like a, a laugh, but also like a huge groan. And I go, so you like the Burt Reynolds one better? And they laughed, which was that. And then I did 10 minutes of material that I had written on the way up about the drive into town, about the, the small town surrounding the area. I, there was a there was a town there, and it was called uh, Rip Town. I, 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 Christ, I can't even remember the name of it. But it had, it had population 400 on the sign. Uh, and I said, population 400, 300 of whom are now huddled around the only telephone in the general store hoping the Gettys pay the ransom. Uh, <laughs> I called it a three dogs in a manifesto town. I mean, I just, I, it was just, I was fucking funny. And, and, and here's the thing. I was funny with material. I didn't vamp. I didn't work the crowd. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. And I was relaxed. I, I kept telling myself beforehand, slow down. And I know you hear me on this show and you think there's no fucking way you can slow down, but I, I have to, I have to slow down because I have to slow my mind down because otherwise if I'm going to just, you know, this show is talking at the speed of my head. I just unload and whatever the fuck is coming out of my head is going to come out of my mouth and you're going to hear it in the moment. And that's the way it is on stage. It's different. It shouldn't be in a shorter set. It should be though. And that's what I did in 10 minutes. That's I, I said, slow down and talk, slow down, just commit to the bits, slow down, sell them. Uh, and I was, I was fucking proud of myself. I was proud that I was able to talk myself down. I was proud that I was a comedian. I was proud that I wrote, you know, granted it's 10 minutes. I did one older joke that I worked in, but everything else was new. It was, it was written in the moment. It was written on the way up there. And, uh, and I, and I was proud as hell. I was so happy. And, uh, I killed, I, I, um, I finished and uh, I, I closed with something, and I'll, you know what? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you it in a second. But I walked off stage, and Dino was back there, and he's clapping, and he goes, "Man, that was great." And I said, "Thanks." He goes, "What are you What are you worried about?" Like you're saying, and I go, "Dude, I just I I do that to myself. I grip it." And and he goes, "Well, he goes, you should do more of that because that was great." He goes, "If you're that nervous and you did that," and he he was just very encouraging. And this guy's 25 or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? And he's trying to save me from myself, and I appreciated it so much. Uh, and then Helen followed me and did great. Dino did great. Kate, of course, destroyed. It was just so fun. And then afterwards, uh, Jesse came backstage and he didn't even say a word. He just kind of, uh, he looked at all of us and he just fucking high-fived everybody. And he was like, yes, he was like really pumped. He goes, man, this show gets better and better. He goes, every one of you was great. And I, and I'm so happy I had you. And, and, um, you know, to, to, it was cool. It was like making a guy who's trusted me proud. And, and I loved it. I, w- I was, I was so happy, so happy. And then, and then other people walked up, you know, and there were other people who hosted the podcasts and they, they were very nice and they, you know, they genuine, generally talked to Kate and, and, uh, they talked to everybody else, but they did come up to me. There were people who came up and they were like, man, you were so funny. Oh my God, you were great. Um, and then Jesse was selling me to the, there's a guy who has a podcast. It's a storytelling podcast. And Jesse's like, Mike is a guy who's done his own solo podcast for 10 years and he tells stories. You should have him on. And uh, hopefully I hear from the guy. If I don't, that's fine. But uh, but just to know that Jesse could stand there next to me and proudly extol the virtues of what I do to a guy, uh, it made me very happy. And, uh, you know, like, like I, look, I want to get to Vancouver. I want to get on Stop Podcasting Yourself because Shumka said he's like, whenever you're in town, you can do it. And and I want, I want to do everything. I want to go everywhere. I want to do stand up. I want to do fucking everything there is to do because I, I was so proud of my, my time up there. And then, and then I will tell you this, uh, I finished and then I had to go. Cause again, as high as I was, as on top of the world as I was, 
Uh, I got to meet some people and say hi, and I hung out for about a half hour after my show. And then I had to hop in my car, and I had to head back to Los Angeles, and I had to drive until 6.30 in the morning because I had to – I have a tax bill to pay, folks. I don't know if I mentioned that by any chance. <laughs> And so it was humbling, and it brought me back down to earth. But also, it went, you know, I went, you know what? You you do what you got to do. You got to you got to pay your bills. You got to you got to make your life work. And uh, and I will, and I and I did, and I was excited, and I was happy. And I will tell you this: I had to drive down Highway Fucking Infinity, and uh, and through a town of two hundred and uh, coyotes and wolves and mooses with one headlight. Me and just Jacob Dylan wailing in the night, and I, I had the brights on, and it's still it was helping, but not really. And I'm going down this twisty fucking hill, and I'm ahead in my head. I'm like, well, you know, if I die, I had a good set. That's all that matters. That that would be the story they would tell. He fucking killed and then was killed. That how perfect is that? He killed and then was killed. I could have lived with that. That would have been a good death. On stage, you know, I I don't um, especially in front of strangers. One of the things I'm weirded out about is telling people that I went to work. I've talked about this before. The second you tell an audience you have a job, they don't take you seriously as a comedian, at least in my eyes. And that's problematic for me because a lot of the stuff I've been doing is about Uber and driving. And and, uh, and, and so at this show, I just went, well, fuck it. Just, just do it. Commit to it. You know, I mean, Kate Willett is doing a Netflix special and writing on a show in New York, and you're talking about your Uber adventures. It's, it's disheartening, and it's embarrassing. I won't lie, but... The important thing is, was it funny? Well, here's what I closed with, because this had absolutely happened the night before. Uh, I mentioned Dan Bilzerian earlier in the show, and uh, I wound up driving some people to a party at his house on Friday night. If you don't know who Dan Bilzerian is, Dan Bilzerian is a liar, but he's really rich. Like, I guess he went through SEAL training, but he didn't make the SEALs, or he was a SEAL all I know about the fucking guys, I guess he was a professional gambler, but then he wasn't. But for some reason, I know he threw a girl off of a roof and she fractured her ankle and sued him because they were trying to do a trick where he threw her into a swimming pool and he missed. He's your typical alpha male chewing a cigar, uh, probably got a bullet belt douchebag. One of those guys, you know what I mean? You just see him, you're just like, oh man, that is, he's just, he's toxic masculinity in a vest. I mean, it's just everything you could fucking hate about men is this guy. But for some reason he is, and again, I don't know anything about him. I just know his name. And I know that he has a $168 million house in the hills of Los Angeles. Now, I don't know if it's his house. I don't know if some chic owns it and lets him use it. I I don't, again, it's shady. I don't, who the fuck knows? Who, who not? Because I'll tell you what, if you get $168 million, why are you buying one fucking house? I already told you, you can free every animal in every shelter across the world with the 168. The 50 million you just do America. You got 168, drop that on freeing some fucking puppos, man. Just get some dogs and some cats. And again, free all the mice, free everybody you got to free and, and, and hook them up with kids all over the world. Every kid gets a dog. Fuck, or a cat, or a bird, a toucan. Buy toucans. He's one of those guys. He's got snakes. You know what I mean? Puts up a picture of himself with like three snakes. He's just a fucking, whatever, dirtbag. And I don't want to say dirtbag. I don't know the fucking guy. He's just extraordinarily rich and extraordinarily lucky, but also he's a fucking tool bag when you see him. He's just, again, snakes and cigars and poker and fuck you. So 
I pull around the corner. I'm going up the hill to this house, right? And uh, I pick up these two girls, and they're heading up there, and they're in the back seat, and they're talking. And the thing I love most about Uber is when people think I'm invisible. Like they, like they just think I'm a Johnny Cab from Total Recall. Like I'm a robot who doesn't give a fuck and can't hear what they're saying because these two girls are in the back seat, and they immediately start talking about. You know, I told you what was it a couple of weeks ago when Darby was going to get fucked. Well, now these girls are talking, and this girl, there's a girl, and she literally tells a story about how she uh, had been with a guy whose cock was so big, she had to run away from him. Like literally she came in the bedroom and they started doing stuff. And then when she found out and then he got undressed, she she told the whole story and she saw it finally. And, and she literally, she said, I had to run away and get my stuff and get out of there because there's no way I could have, I could have done it. And they're laughing while they're telling the story. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, and I don't say anything. I'm still driving. And then the other girl goes, well, that's amazing. She goes, I have, I literally have the exact same story. But it's the opposite story. I was with a guy once and we wound up in the bedroom and we got undressed and his cock was so small, I had to run away. And the girl goes, wait a minute, you ran away? She goes, why didn't I had to make up a story like I had to take a phone call and I stepped out and I literally ran out of the house and got in my car and I left. And they're laughing and I'm driving. And I wanted so desperately to turn around and say, I have a story about a cock that's just right. You guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can. That was what I closed with at the, at the part at, the, at fucking whatchamacallit, Max FunCon. Uh, brought the house down. Brought the jungle down. Brought the. I, Burt Reynolds missed me. He was laughing so hard. Uh, <laughs> Ned Beatty. They actually stopped raping Ned Beatty to laugh. And, the, and Ned Beatty was so happy with it. He high-fived him even with the fucking cock in his ass. They were so thrilled. Uh, you guys can get me at Mike at Mike Schmidt comedy.com. You guys can be my friend at facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy. Hey, you know, I'm on Snapchat. You know, I'm on Instagram. I'm on all those things at Mike four zero Y O B Mike 40 Y O B Mike four O Y O B. Find me at Instagram and Snapchat. Send me a photo. Send me a follow. Send me your friendly smile. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my ragtime girl. Uh, so find me at all those places and follow me and friend me and be, be uh, part of the journey, part of the mission, be part of the army, join the Schmidt army. Uh, none of those things are true, but still follow me at all those places. Uh, our friend Ryan Dirks is the web dude for this show. He's the coolest. You can contact him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks and be uh, his pal and tell him he's, uh, he's great for all the cool stuff he does for us. Giovanni Giorgio Peluso, Giovanni Giorgio, Giorgio, Giovanni Giorgio Peluso is the best. He did our YouTube channel, which is available now. You can go check out our YouTube channel with all of the uh, shows that are there and other videos and things. He's uploaded everything and he keeps it spiffy and looking good. He's got his own YouTube channel too. You might want to check it out. Go ahead and find his uh, Geo channel and subscribe to that, please. Uh, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. But Geo does all that hard work and he takes care of our stuff and he's the best. You can find him at facebook.com slash Giovanni Giorgio Peluso and be his friend and tell him he's the best and tell him he's great. And uh, I got to stop saying the word best because it's driving me out of my skull. Uh, smacky spitty. Uh, but please follow him. And also I, I, he's got plenty of podcasts of his own, folks. He's got the Geo podcast, Get It On, G-I-O. He's got the Outdoors Frequently Asked Questions FAQ podcast. He's got a, he's a big and abbreviations guy. That's how he handles it. Plus, he does all the Loveline stuff, man. He went ahead and put out a, a bunch of Loveline videos. He puts out Loveline audio. Uh, he is the curator of the Adam Carolla uh, oeuvre. So please give him a follow and a thank you. He's the best. 
David Hernandez does all the music and the artwork for this show. He is the coolest guy in the world, and he's been very busy on a busy, very busy on uh, the interlude. I, want, I was going to say a secret project, but the interlude is coming up soon, and he's very busy. Knows that the grindstone taking care of all that. And uh, and he's the best. So please go ahead and follow him at facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. Be his friend there. Tell him what he means to you. Tell him what uh, freedom means to you. That's one of my favorite Simpsons lines of all time. When they beat up, they beat up Martin and they, they convince him that homework is cool. And they're like, get him. And then Jimbo and the guys do his homework. And one of the fucking the guy with the hair in front of his eye just goes, what does freedom mean to me? Like they're cheating even as they're doing fucking Martin Prince's homework. But just the the fact that he would look up and go, what does freedom mean to me? Like that you would cheat with that quite fucking what a great joke. Goddamn brilliant. Uh, David knows. He would know. So go to Facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez and ask him what freedom means to him and be his friend, please. Uh, but if you'd like to find out about all of his cool ass artwork, you can go to artbydmh.com. That's A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com. Uh, he's got Valscapes. He's got Gaikons. And he's got an itchin'. He's got a hankering to create some special artwork just for you. You just got to reach out to him and tell him what it is that you want, man. Send him an email via the website. I don't know why I'm doing this guy all of a sudden, but uh, he, you know, he's out there. He's like, I'm itching to make some artwork for you, man. He, he, he. That's what he wants to do. So you find him at artbydmh.com. You say, hey, man, do me a favor. Paint a photo of uh, an alligator fighting a toddler in full armor. Could you do that for me? Could you do that? That'd be great. Could you paint a, a photo of uh, of Michael Jackson getting an injection in his thigh from a very special doctor? Because I want to put that on my wall. That sounds like some kind of weird pop art that John Waters would have in his house. But I'll tell you what, Max would not have a problem banging it out. He's the man. If you've got the greenbacks, he's got the time. He's got the brushes. He's got the paint, the oil, all of it, man. He's got the canvas, and he will make it happen for you. But you got to find him at artbydmh.com and get him on the case. That's artbydmh.com, A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com. You're listening to The 40-Year-Old Boy, and later it's What Was That? An international band of ghost hunters shows the afterlife who's boss. What was that? What was that? What was that? They ain't afraid of no ghosts. What was that? On the Mike Schmidt Podcasting Network. What was that? Folks, we live in a world that has passengers, and those passengers have to be shuttled by men with cars, ladies with cars, people with cars. Who's going to do it? You? You, chauffeur Weinberg? Uh, That's my fancy way of saying who wants to drive for Uber. I'll bet it's you, you out there, chauffeur Weinberg. Uh, Here's my code if you want to be a Lyft driver or an Uber driver. If you want to do Lyft, this is all caps, M-I-K-E-720057, that's Mike, 720057. If you want to be an Uber driver, this is all lowercase, shh, quiet, shh, so small. T-J-C-W-1-Y-T-T-U-E. Fruit roll-up throat is not good for whispering. Uh, DJZW1YTTUE, go to Uber, use that code, use it for a ride, I get some money, use it for a, to become a driver, I get money, all of that is cool. And I'm going to throw this out there. If you want to become an Uber driver, you're going to have to keep track of your mileage. I learned that this week as I turned all of my mileage over to my accountant for the past three years. And the way I did it was with MileIQ.com. That's MileIQ. Well, MileIQ, it's an app you can put on your phone. 
Now, I use the professional version, which is 6 bucks a month, uh, but it's going to pay for itself when these taxes are filed, folks. I know it is. Um, but if you want to keep track of your stuff, look, and if you, you don't have to be an Uber or a Lyft driver to do this. You can just be a person who's out there gallivanting. Go to myliq.com slash invite slash 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 HFVHB. And those are all caps. So it's myliq.com slash invite slash HFVHB. And sign up and get yourself that app and keep track of your miles. And I get, as I've told you before, I don't get any money from that. I get uh, like a gift card, like an Amazon gift card or an iTunes gift card. Uh, I, I think I don't think it's an I, Amazon. I think it's an iTunes. But either way, go use my like you because it's fucking, it's so easy, dude. It's on your phone. You drive the end of the night. You look. You just swipe your business. You swipe your personal miles. All of that stuff, and it keeps track of it. And then you get a year, a monthly report. You get a weekly report, a monthly report, yearly report, and then you just give them to your accountant three years later, and he files your taxes for you. It's amazing. Oh my god, is it perfect? You don't you don't have to hide under the coats when it comes to mileage. My like you is there for you friend. They take those coats off and the sun shines directly in your face while they do all the work at myliq.com slash invite slash H A eight. Jesus. Fuck H F V H B folks. I'm going on the road. Now, look, if you're an Uber driver in Cincinnati or Seattle, you can shuttle me around town because I'm going to be there. God damn it. I'm going to be in Cincinnati July 7th at the Clifton Performance Theater. Now I will tell you in the daytime, I'm doing a Spartan sprint where I will wind up muddy and wounded. And then that night, uh, I will crawl onto the stage at the Clifton Performance Theater and tell you jokes. Perhaps I'll talk about that day at the races. Perhaps I'll have new things to workshop for you guys. Either way, I will be live on stage in Cincinnati talking directly at you. And now I'm official because I've got my plane ticket. I've got my Airbnb. Everything is booked solid for me in Cincinnati. So uh, so you know I'm going to be there. It's, it's not a surprise anymore, folks. I'm there. Buy some tickets because I'll tell you this. I just found out there's a Canadian contingent coming to the Cincinnati show. Uh, because the way it works is anybody in Canada has to come whenever I play a city that begins with C. So if I play Cleveland, they come out. If I play uh, Columbus, they come out. Apparently only in Ohio. C cities in Ohio, that's when they'll show up. Uh, you know why? Because C is for cookie, and that's good enough for them. So they will show up in Cincinnati July 7th. Our friend Tanya is coming. Our friend, uh, I think John's coming. Ken is coming. Perhaps more Canadians. Perhaps a Rick will come. Perhaps Matt Brindle will come. I don't even know if Matt's in uh, Canada. That's a guy, I don't think I've said his name in a year. Not that I said his name a bunch anyway, but he was a listener. He's probably long gone now. Uh, but I would mention him on the show and he would always write me a note like I get, like for ridiculousness. He was just a young dude. Whatever, I'm dumb. So anyway, all the people from Canada are coming to Cincinnati and I'm really excited for Tanya and Mike and uh, and, and John and, and possibly Rick and, and certainly Ken. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. So that's the Clifton Performance Theater, Cincinnati, July 7th. Tickets available at brownpapertickets.com. That's brownpapertickets.com. Put in my name. You'll get a couple of things, but if you want Cincinnati, it'll say uh, Live Bees in the Queen City, Mike Schmidt in Cincinnati. Buy your tickets now. And join me and Mark, who I know also bought tickets, and John, who also bought tickets, and Matthew, who's bought tickets. Uh, is that a good sign for the show when I know everybody who's bought tickets? Probably not. But they're on sale and they want you to buy them. They are lurking. They are looming. Go press that button and send me some cash so I can send you some laughs. <laughs> and uh, why not? I'll say this. Anybody who buys a ticket this week, uh, I'll, I'll give you a call and say thanks. How rude is that? How weird? Because, again, people have already bought it. Like, why wouldn't you call me? I don't give a fuck. If you bought a ticket, send me a phone number and I'll call you and I'll tell you thank you. Uh, if you're international, it's got to be on WhatsApp. So I can text you or whatever. I'll send you a video. Uh, I should just do it on Patreon. What the fuck? I have that. Ex that exists. Patreon exists. I can do it there. Uh, well, who cares? If you bought a ticket, contact me. If you buy a ticket this week, contact me. We'll figure out something. Tell me what you want. 
what you really, really want. That's the thing. Don't just tell me what you want. You got to tell me what you really, really want. I, oh, I did that at fucking Max FunCon. I was sitting down and the stage manager, Malia, I think was her name, uh, Marika, Malika. She was talking about the Spice Girls and this is in a room. There's like 10 people sitting there and she goes, uh, Baby Spice held that band together. And everybody's like, what do you mean? And she goes, well, she was the only one who had a real singing voice. Everybody else was just kind of there for whatever to fill a, a role. But Baby Spice was the true talent in the band. And there's a beat. And I said, so you're telling me that if I want to book the Spice Girls, then Baby Spice is the one that I want that I really, really want. And uh, and she just goes, yeah, absolutely. She was the one who could absolutely sing. And I, I, I didn't say anything. And there was a couple of beats and then uh, to, like Dino, the comic and a, and a, and a listener or a, a fan, they looked and they go, you were doing a joke there, huh? And I go, I was trying to. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, didn't get it. And I go, no, absolutely not. Got stepped on completely. Uh, and that did not bode well. But then I went ahead 10 minutes set and I salvaged my save face, which was good. But yeah, I totally, I go, so you're telling me that uh, if I was to book the Spice Girls, that Baby Spice is the one I would want, that I would really, really want? Yeah, absolutely. She's the one who can sing. She, okay, you don't get it. But she was lovely and terrific. All right, so, uh, so and, and look, that's some of the magic I'll bring to the stage in Cincinnati. Oh, you can't wait, can you? I'll tell you what, you can also see me in Seattle. Did you know that? I'm, I keep pausing these long pauses. I'm, I'm trying not to be so smacky. Uh, Seattle, I'm at the Jewel Box at the Rendezvous with me and Graham Elwood. That's two nights. That's Thursday, 8, 9, and Saturday, 8, 11, August 9th. Saturday, August 11th, we will be there. We will be lurking. Thursday is a special political vigilante show where you'll you'll hear such, I mean, just a clatter. A clatter will arise as, as Graham Elwood makes Gotham great again as he banes out and fucks up Trump. And then I will be there doing some topical material and trying to make it work as best I can. Now, I will tell you, I was encouraged when I went and did this 10-minute set and wrote a bunch of stuff about the trees, but uh, political is a different animal. It's got to it's make sense. And also... Since we are all so goddamn fatigued by what the hell is happening in the world right now, it's going to be hard to put a fresh spin on it, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, you know, Because you can't top. This is the thing. You can't write jokes about Trump. You can't. There's there's nothing. Saturday Night Live needs to stop doing like the Baldwin Trump thing. I think I might have even said that on the show here because it's over. You can't parody him. He is unparodyable because all they would wind up doing is these sketches where Baldwin would do the shit that Trump had done that week. Almost as a wink to go like, can you believe he's doing this shit? Yeah, we can. He's done it. We saw it all week. You don't need to come and rub our faces in it on goddamn Saturday night. There was a story this week. You might have seen it. It was well, I, I saw it and I laughed and I went, this can't be a real story. And then I read it and uh, it's true. Trump won't stop tearing up papers. Did you see that? They he literally, they hand him a communique from an, from an international uh, envoy, from a spy, from whomever, a fucking takeout menu from something in D.C., they hand it to him, he reads it, and he tears it into little pieces. And they say to him, hey, look, you can't do that. Once the president touches a, a, a document, it has to be preserved for all eternity, for your papers, for your library, for history. And Trump's just like, nah, and he fucking rips the shit up. And and look, I know there's a bunch of people out there who thinks he's triggering the libs by tearing shit up. It's just there's a rule of law in this country. And, and the fact that he just says, nah, I'm going to do it this way, and they let him. Because, you know, when I say they let him, it's not like they just let him tear it up and throw it away. No, they had two guys in the White House Research Department that were in charge of digging through the garbage to scotch tape together anything that Trump had torn apart. I, I, you can hear me shrugging. Like, you can hear me. I don't, there's, there's nothing 
parodyable about that. That's real. He really did that. That sounds like something you'd write in a goofy fucking sketch about a, the, a retarded president. But he, they continue to hand him documents. He continues to rip them up. Because again, I'll tell you what that is. That is a, a hangover from his old days in New York when he did business with the mob and he didn't want to leave a fucking paper trail anywhere. You fucking destroy it and you throw it the fuck out. I'm surprised he's not burning shit in the garbage cans. All right, that's just, you know, you're shredding shit, you're throwing shit out because you don't want to leave a goddamn paper trail. But he doesn't realize that the president is supposed to leave a paper trail. That's because he's not supposed to be committing high fucking crimes. There was an 18-minute gap in the Watergate tapes and everybody still freaks out about it fucking 40 years later. But this guy is tearing up fucking communiques. He's tearing up fucking, God damn it, classified documents. You're kidding. Um, and there's nothing you can, you can't make a joke out of it you can, because it's happened for real. The two dudes, this guy's like, I make $65,000 a year. I'm, I'm taping together notes like a kid in a kindergarten class. So can you imagine if you go to Trump's library, if he has a fucking library, because he doesn't want a fucking library, he wants a golf course. Give him a Trump golf course. He, that guy doesn't want a fucking library at all. Give him a golf course and he'd be happy, a statue and a golf course. But and but if, even if you did, there's a flip book and you're looking through all these torn up pieces of paper, like some fucking mental patient got it and everything. And the guy said, he goes, it's not like, you know, sometimes they'll just tear stuff in half or in, in quarters. He goes, but some stuff he shreds and they got to dig that shit out and tape it. What the fuck? Fuck, you can't, you can't, you can't make fun of it. You just can't. So come see me do stand-up in Seattle <laughs> as I do topical stand-up and try to find another angle on this fucking guy that hasn't been explored and, and good fucking luck. But still, Graham will be fantastic. I'll do what I can. And then Saturday night, I will be fantastic along with Graham. I will, I will match him and bring my level up. But Thursday, August 9th, Saturday, August 11th, in Seattle at the Jewel Box at the Rendezvous. Buy some tickets. Come out and see us now. Uh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be totally fun and a really good time. Uh, have I mentioned I have a Patreon? I think I have. I have a Patreon you can become a patron of. Thank you, everybody who's signed up, and thank you, everybody who exists and has checked with me. Our buddy Tom uh, wrote me, and he's like, hey, man, am I still being, uh, you know, am I still a patron? And our buddy Rick, and I'm like, yeah, I look him up, and they're like, yeah, you guys are still there. They're like, oh, man, okay, it didn't look like I was charged. Thank you for caring enough to follow up. Supporting is fantastic, but then the follow-up, man, you guys are above and beyond. If you want to be a patron, man, would I appreciate it. It would truly help me and help the show. Uh, go ahead and be a patron at patreon.com slash the 40-year-old boy, or just Google, go to patreon.com and look for my Mike Schmidt or the 40 year old boy and, uh, and become a patron. I would love it. There's uh, like I said, a lot of, a lot of stuff happening in the next uh, two months, you know, when this, cause your 10 is coming to an end and then you're 11. And, uh, I've mentioned, I'm going to, I have a Twitch channel now that's not up and running, but you can go follow me on Twitch, twitch.com. You can find me on the 40 year old boy, all lowercase. Uh, but find me on there and start following me because when we do get up and running, you'll see some test streams, you'll see some real stuff. And, uh, and I, I have been convinced by people that this seems like a good idea. As, as I've told Gio, I'm just like, I don't, this doesn't, I'm not. And he just goes, no, trust me. And I, so I'm trusting dudes. I'm absolutely trusting. We'll see what happens. And I've got to bring it. Of course. I mean, I can't just trust people to show up. I have to give them the goods, man, the big time streaming goods. And, oh, I'll tell you what, ever since I was a little boy, I, I dreamed of streaming my goods and I cannot wait to do that for you folks on Twitch. Uh, that's coming soon. So sign up on Twitch at the 40 year old boy channel. And, uh, and soon there'll be some tests streams you can check out and say hey this sucks but it'll get better so uh become a patreon too that would be great sign up for twitch become a patreon patron uh please use the cameo app if you want it's a thing on your phone it's cameo video shout outs and uh they it, this is funny they're like if, if i can suggest talent for them to use i get a referral bonus 
Well, I mean, I'd just give him every famous fucking idiot in the world. You know what I mean? Just, hey, why don't, why don't you guys get Barack Obama to do these? And then I get $5 if Barack goes, yeah, that's a good idea. That seems like something I could use the gravitas of my office for uh, to tell your aunt happy birthday. Good for you, Barack. You're a man of the people. Uh, but for right now, don't book Barack. Book me. I'm at Cameo Video Apps, Video Shoutouts, Cameo App. Find me and uh, and I'll do whatever you want me to do because I am a trained, yawning <sighs> monkey. Go to the website, MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go ahead and go to the Joe Business page. Stuff is for sale there. Thank you for buying things. But also the most important thing is the Amazon link is lurking on there. Go ahead and click through the Amazon link and explore and look and have fun. There are great things in, in the Amazon website to buy. But if you use the link, we get money, they get money, you get stuff. It couldn't be more simple, folks. You're buying stuff from Amazon anyway. So why not give us a taste of the gig? Up in Lake Wazapamani as we sit in a sauna together with fucking pork pie hats and sunglasses and Steve Lawrence and a fucking towel, man. Give me a taste of the gig. That's all I want. So if you use the Amazon link, you click through, you buy the things you were going to buy anyway. We get money, they get money, you get stuff. It is fantastic. It is worthwhile. And like I said, you're there anyway. Come on, you're already dirty. Throws glass in your face. Come on, Oxburger, you're already dirty. Well, sir, we were going to the bingo parlor. All right. Uh, so that's all available. Go ahead and go to the website, go to cameo, do the things you need to do to be the person you want to be. See me in Cincinnati. See me in Seattle. Oh, I never talked. I didn't finish Bilzerian's house. I fucking came around the corner and Bilzerian's house is just fucking neon, like, like pink and blue neon trim. And it looks like the fucking Glendale Galleria. That's how big it is. This guy lives in a grocery store. Like there's this horrible story where they're putting kids in a fucking abandoned Walmart or whatever the fuck away from their, their parents. Bilzerian's got one of those, but it's filled with snakes and models. Like he's got, imagine that kid, the kids in the death camp in the desert, but go ahead and throw in some fucking Cuervo and a bunch of half chewed cigars and some poker chips. You got Bilzerian's house and I'm sure he's got a bunch of Mexican kids running around too. I bet he's got, he's got all sorts of shit in his house. Like I said, man, reverse Neverland. Give me that fucking money. And that's exactly what I'll get a Bilzerian type house. I'll get a backyard with fucking giraffes who have fucking tusks. I'll crossbreed a bunch of shit. I'll hire my own house. Scientist we will make a bunch of fucking weird animals to fight kids. I'm excited. That's what I want to do. So Bilzerian, when I see his audacious display of wealth, I can only think, well, if I had this kind of wealth, I wouldn't buy that big of a fucking house, but I might buy a goddamn zoo. I might buy, well, look, I already told you what I was going to do. This is, you know what? Maybe I get these kids that have been separated from their parents and have them fight to stay in the country. Maybe that's what we do. Let's make it a fucking sport. I mean, fucking Trump loves reality shows. Let's just go ahead and throw that on fucking pay-per-view. All these kids that are fucking coming over the border and taken away from their parents, let's train them. Let's train them into a goddamn unstoppable reality TV show force. This is our opportunity to make the running man real. Let's let's train them to be the fucking grown-up uh, assassins like fucking, uh, uh, you know, Ice Sub-Zero and all those other fucking dudes. Let's train these fucking Mexican kids to grow up and be the fucking running men villains. This is a, uh, look, we, we already got them. They're already here. They live in a Walmart. If you said to, if there was a kid and he was living in a fucking Walmart and there's 1,500 kids in there and the whole thing just smells like tears and they said to you, hey, what if we took you out, jacked you up with some super serum and uh, you had to fucking hang out with Richard Dawson and Arnold Schwarzenegger for a while? That kid's going, yes, see. He says, see immediately, see. You were like, hey, dude, you want to go ahead and live in a grocery store and fuck guys up? See. It's better than laying there and trying to read some fucking goodnight moon book while other kids are crying for their mom. Train these kids to fucking do something, man. Because you know what? Here's the thing. My dream is they become a super army and then they fight their fucking way out and they claw their way to the White House and they murder Trump and his whole family. That seems aggressive. I'm joking on a podcast. We're having fun. Do not send the FBI. We're having a good time. 
Uh, <laughs> that went a bit far. Um, although I'm sure Bill Zarian's already sent the fucking seals to my goddamn house right now. They're out in my pool with a knife clenched in their teeth and that green and black paint on their faces. Uh, they're going to turn my head into a fucking canoe. Great. Uh, but when I took these girls to Bill Zarian's house in my head, I was like, dude, I don't. This might be the worst person I've ever brought people to his house. Because, uh, I, I mean, because Bill Zarian's just a bad guy, right? But then I thought to myself, well, there, there's a, there's millions of unnamed people I've dropped people off at their houses. So they could also be terrible. They could be killers or other bad things. Uh, but I will also tell you this. I don't know if I ever talked about this on the show. One time I picked up four girls at uh, at the Seventh Vale Strip Club in Hollywood. And, uh, and I started driving and twisting and turning. And again, these were girls with like... Uh, like pierced cheeks. Does that, you know, is that because I mean, uh, girls get that pierced uh, septum and that's a good look. You know what I mean? Or the pierced nose, which is cute and not pierced lip. I can see, but there, these girls had like piercings in their cheeks and their eyebrows. And, uh, and like one girl had, it had to be, I mean, it, it just looked like a whole fucking tackle box in her ear. I mean, it was insane. The kind of metal, like I would not want to be behind these girls at the airport. Let's put it that way. Even though I'm TSA pre, I'm sure they would somehow set off alarms. There would be a fucking sweep. It would just be grim. Uh, and then, and then, you know, tattoos on their neck. Cause I, I'll tell you what, look, tattoos, neck tattoos look great on men, but boy, are they attractive on women? Oh, is that a good look? Especially like a big number 18. Oh, I love it. So, uh, so these girls get in the car and uh, they're talking and I look, I'm comfortable because they describe themselves as such. I don't mind saying that they were hoochie mamas. They were clearly hoochie mamas and they would call each other slut when they were talking. And, uh, and it turned out, guess where I was taking them? Guess, just guess, guess you, you well, you might guess, but you, I don't know. Uh, I was taking them. Well, first of all, I will say this. They were having a discussion about how bad of a guy offset is. And then they were talking about how Future is also a terrible person. And I would have never dreamed these things to be true. I thought Future and Offset would be smiley, wonderful guys, particularly from the way they codeine syrup mumble they were their way through their songs. I thought those conversations would be very lucid and fantastic. But apparently, they're rude to the ladies. What? Offset, who's got like nine kids from seven women, he's rude? Uh, future who is, uh, who has not opened his mouth in four years yet still has a recording contract. That guy's a mean guy. Uh, I'm teasing. They're all very talented, but, um, I was taking them to Chris Brown's house. Uh, that's right. Four women voluntarily ordered an Uber to take them and their scantily clad asses from the strip club to Chris Brown's house. And then they told stories about how like offset was mean and, and a future was mean. And in my head, I'm just like, you're going. So I, I don't, how do I explain this? They're, they're talking about offsets of mean guy and future is rude. And the guys in the club were rude. And, and, and all these encounters are bad. And yet we're zooming off to Chris Brown's house. Cause they were, they, they didn't tell me it, but they're talking about it. They're like, yeah, we're going to Chris Brown, blah, blah, blah. Well, you should. And, uh, the only thing I could think of is if you, you thought Offset was bad and you thought Future was bad, but you know, now you're going to Chris Brown's house. There's only one reason for this. They were playing like a live action video game and Chris Brown was the final boss. This had to be some sort of coordinated four-woman strike force who were on their way to take down the ultimate menace of Chris Brown. Maybe, maybe that's
Nothing lonelier than being trapped inside yourself. It's easier to hide when you pretend you're the nice. Women love a guy with a giant neck. See you.